What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 51st draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. I believe you changed your name, Matt, to McClunky P.I. McClunky! <laughs> Is that going to be our outro? Probably. Yeah. Oh, God, what a dumb fucking... Why does he keep messing with that scene? Because he can. Why? <laughs> like, someone made a joke. I forget who it was. But it's like, was George Lucas just sitting in his basement? Just, you know, he has... he's nothing to do with star wars for the longest time and he's like i'm gonna change the haunt and greedo scene again there's just i gotta have him say one thing before he gets shot oh man yeah we'll be talking it's a very disney heavy episode today on this here 51st draft we got disney plus just launched this week we went to a disney 2019 preview event uh there's some other stuff we'll be talking about in the news and and i'll balance it out with some netflix stuff oh yeah you know the streaming wars have begun we're living through them uh but how you doing buddy you good i'm okay uh you know upset stomach diarrhea that (laughs) sort of thing pepto bismol -bismol. -bismol. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah you were you're you've had a rough week or two yeah Um, yeah but but, uh other than that i mean it's been it's been okay how about yourself you know, pretty good. Pretty good. What was this week? No, didn't get up to two too much. You saw Charlie's um, Angels. I did, which I'll be speaking about. You yelled the, at a small and, child. Yeah, which I will tell that story uh, <laughs> during the What We've Been Watching segment. Uh, we're not going to do an actual full, like, uh, separate review for Charlie's Angels because Eric uh, uh, was sick that day. So um, I saw it with Nevis. Maybe Nevis and I will record a review. We'll you see. should. Um, I really liked the, uh, the last Christmas review. Yeah, that was chaotic. Please go listen to that. That was... Uh, that was something. Um, but yeah, I've just been hanging out. I had, um, our big office party at work. Um, I work at Sid Lee, which is an advertising Christmas agency. office par- party. It already? wasn't a Christmas party, but it, they do like a big Sid Lee day thing every year. So it's like you take the day off work, but everyone goes into work and like hangs out and, and drinks and, and there's different activities and, um, went out to a bar in Toronto afterwards called So So Social Club or something. Or I, it's like a Chinese uh, fusion restaurant, but it was pretty fun. It was good. Drank a lot. Um, didn't feel so great the next day. But then if you guys saw uh, my Instagram story I posted and my office ordered so much McDonald's, dude. So much. The hangover Your brother Kyle uh, messaged me and was like, oh, my God. It's like, that looks amazing and like i had more messages on that pile of mcdonald's than anything else i've ever posted and it was great did i have a sausage mcmuffin and a cheeseburger and a hash brown and some fries bet your ass you're I a did. monster uh it was great uh were you else? shitting your, your brains out later that day oh yeah probably it's just, yeah <laughs> it's been rough and then i went and hung out with uh, our friends nick and jen last night um oh, how are like, they uh, Good. I haven't seen them in a while. So we uh, had some drinks, had some Thai food, uh, some really, really good Thai food from, I think, Thai Elephant. Um, um, Really, really good stuff. And uh, we drank and played. We'll watch some of the hockey game. The Leafs have been terrible this year. so bad. Um, Is it only just the beginning of the year? It is, but they're like 20-something games in, and they've only won like nine games. How's Boston doing? uh, Pretty well. Shut up. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Not not that I care. Yeah, your brother brother cares. Yeah, Uh, he's in a good spot. Uh, And then we played Settlers of Catan, which I've never played before. Uh, It's competitive. It is, and it's very fun. You played it before? No, I've watched people play it before. Jay Cheel actually uh, shot a short documentary or faux documentary with him and his buddies. Okay. And, uh, well, pardon me. You're good. Um, 
It's online. I, I, if I, I just can't remember the you name. Should of send it. it over to me. I'd watch. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's good. This is the first time I've ever played it. I know it's an older board game and people love it, but yeah, I mean, um, it's kind of it's it's kind of similar to like Risk or something yeah. like that. Like it's very strategic based, and like you take over land and what mm-hmm. have you. You create and, settlements, yeah. and little cities and stuff like that. Like um, there's different kind of there's like a Game of Thrones version they put out, a Star Trek version and stuff. So I, I thought there was a Star Wars version, which would have been cool, but I don't think there is. I think people have created like custom versions of Catan um, for stuff like that. But Settlers it, uh, of uh, Salacious? Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had fun doing that. And then what else did I get up to? Oh, um, I got – there's a new Star Wars video game that just came out um, You're all about the Star Wars these days. Yeah, we'll Getting be talking for the rise of Skywalker. Yeah, we'll be talking a lot about it. But um, I guess I could do this in the what I've been watching. But I guess this is the what we've been doing segment, which is usually how we kick things off. But uh, Jedi Fallen Order, really, really cool. I'm only like in the first couple hours. But um, uh, you play um, uh, a young uh, Jedi called, named Cal who survived <laughs> yeah cal. cal um i forget his last name but cal uh c-a-l cal uh who survived order 66 so he survived the jedi purge and has been in hiding for like five years and um it's about like some inquisitors who are like these jedi hunters are are coming after and trying to kill the remaining jedi so you're kind of on the run from these inquisitors and, and learning about your well, you're you're reconnecting with the Force essentially because you haven't used it in five or so. This is kind of like Obi Wan story a little bit, right? Yeah. Where he's become a hermit and kind of living yeah, in the middle of, of nowhere. Yeah, and, and I think Obi Wan. Uh, I don't think this is a spoiler. It's in like the first little bit. Like Obi Wan's on a, a hologram, like giving you some orders and stuff. So is it younger Obi Wan or yeah, older? Because uh, it takes place in between three and four so it's younger uh, obi-wan so five years after return of, or uh, i mean um revenge of the sith right um so because i wanted to know that story of like how you know ewan mcgregor became yeah alec guinness which we're gonna like, get on disney plus <laughs> literally like there is such a small amount of time between that it's like what were you doing? there's like what 18 years i <laughs> yeah. guess but like like it must have been you, some those, hard yeah. drinking. That's what I mean. I can't wait to see that Disney Plus series. Like, what's in like, that blue milk? Yeah. Uh, what's Tatooine? Just, I don't know. Time works differently. Who knows? But uh, I can't wait to play more of it after we record. So that's what uh, I'll be doing. Uh, you know, when I think of Cal, though, I just automatically think of um, undergrads with the one character, okay. Cal. Hey, guys. Uh <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, Calrissian, right? Cal. Yeah, sure. Um, but also, I mean, like for me, like, I don't think it could top, uh, Shadow of the Empire. Yeah. With, uh, Uh, Sir Dash Rendar. Yeah. They got to bring Dash Rendar back somewhere. He's so good. Like, Um, that's a great character. Hopefully he shows up in Mandalorian, maybe. I hope so. Uh, but does he, I forget Dash Rendar's story. I guess it's not Dash Rendar's story was kind of interwoven with. He was also a bounty hunter, wasn't he? No, he was more like a Han Solo type and a smuggler Smuggler, turned anti-hero who was working for Leia. Like that was kind of like the storyline that she was the one giving him missions to go on. I don't remember much of it. I just, and so like he would fight like Boba Fett and things like that. Right, right, right. Um, but if you guys didn't know, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Each week, Eric and I get together. We talk about what the hell we've been up to this week. We also go into sometimes stuff about movies and entertainment. We talk about trailers, what we've been watching. 
what you guys should be watching at home and all the news and things like that. So if you like this, we actually do another podcast called Untitled Movie Reviews where Eric and I get together and review some new release films. Uh, most recently, you guys can check out our reviews for uh, Doctor Sleep, Last Christmas, which is that chaotic one that we were talking about. But it's where, a fun, it's a fun um, listen. I actually listened to it because I wanted to hear Nevis yeah. talk again and and yeah. and and like pay attention to what she was saying. And it's like you can tell that we were having a good time. Yeah, like, I was pretty drunk, so yeah. it was good. Because that was the day. Wasn't that the day that you had the Sid Lee party? No, that was the fiftieth episode last Friday where we just. God, I got shit faced. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you ordered Pierce yeah, during the 50th. Yeah. That was a good time. You guys should listen to the 50th draft, too. That was really, really fun. Um, also, Terminator Dark Fate uh, and uh, Frozen 2. Um, you guys can go check out uh, all those of those, reviews. with the exception of Frozen Two, have not been doing well in the box office. Yeah, I know. That's why. Like, and then we um, we still haven't recorded our review of the Lodge. We'll see when we get around to it, but we have until February. Right. Um. So I'd rather do it sooner than later because we're gonna forget about it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um. And then coming soon. Was that it for what we have up right now? Um. Yes. For reviews. And yeah. then coming soon, we'll have reviews for Little Women and. 1917 uh very very soon so keep an eye on untitled movie reviews and you also want to do one for queen and slim right yes uh i don't know if i'll be able to catch a screening of it but i do definitely want to see queen and slim so we'll probably do a review of that as well uh eric what have you been watching my dude well uh the last time uh, we were talking i was getting ready to go on a trip to new york Yes, you I, went to New York. Yes, I saw Noah Baumbach's Marriage Story for the second time. You're a traveling man. I'm, yes, and what I really appreciated, I mean, I love the movie, seeing it TIFF, but when you're watching a film in a festival setting and you see, you know, three to five movies a day, even if you like the film that you're watching, you still have that kind of burnout after a while and like yeah. you can appreciate while you're watching the movie but sometimes you don't retain everything or you you know when you go back to something you appreciate it a little bit more and that was definitely the case rewatching uh marriage story which the thing that surprised me the most about it watching it again was how quick it moves like it it gets to the the the, the big moments that you're you're anticipating in in a fast pace but at yeah. the same time it's not slow or agonizing especially for a film that's about divorce and about a relationship ending and sort of you know the, it's not the horribly depressing no I mean, no it's, it's sad it's, it's sad but it's i mean it's life yeah but it does it in a way that doesn't feel like it's it's a chore to watch or like an academic you know study like you actually enjoy spending time with these characters and seeing how Noah Baumbach sort of, you know, divides the story between the two. Although I will argue that I, I still think he favors Adam Driver's Charlie a little bit more than Scarlett Johansson's Nicole. If you were going to criticize something. Right. But there. I had a chance to talk to him. Um, so after the screening the next day, they had like this um, Netflix uh, Critics' Choice. The Bribes uh, Continue. Yes, you know? The Bribes Continue. Uh Q and A, and it was like in this small like book club. Room. Yeah, it looked like a library. And they brought almost, in like... uh, Alan Alda, Laura Dern, Noah Baumbach, and Adam Driver, who was literally flown out from France to come and do this. 
And he looked tired and kind of miserable, except <laughs> when Alan Alda was talking. Then yeah. he kind of like perked up and was really engaged by what what Alan Alda was saying. Okay. Um, and like it was weird. The last time I went to one of these for the Irishman, the question—the last time meaning a week ago, <laughs> a week ago. Yeah, all of November I've been just flying. And you're around. going to the Vatican tomorrow. I know. I will. Like... I'll, I'll talk about that at the end of the show. Um, what I really appreciated. Uh, was was the questions. The questions were actually really good because they were critics. Sure, yeah. This time around... No. Oh, boy. They there was bad? a couple where I was looking down. It wasn't because, again, the questions weren't bad with the exception of one where it was like this... There was one guy who was behind me that was kind of breathing very heavily and I don't know if he had like a respiratory issue but he can't like he asked a question about like the characters being symbolic and they really weren't. But the question that kind of made me cringe and it wasn't even again a question it was just a guy like basically falling over himself for adam driver and so like it began like you know uh thank you uh mr alda ms dern mr bombach sure. and, and and adam driver and adam after watching this i think it's safe to say that you are this generation's marlon brando <laughs> whoa and I was just like, i'm sure adam driver no, adam like, driver is oh, exactly like he, adam like, driver is like Thanks. <laughs> and he's like looking down at the floor and like afterwards Bombak came came back because he didn't say really anything about yeah. Noah Bombak. He's like, What about me? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And uh. and I like that, but like you could tell like how uncomfortable Driver was through yeah. all of that. I, and he, the guy's just I guess being nice. Like he's just Yeah, just, yeah, no, I, I, I get him, that. But, but at the same time it's like that's it's it, a little hyperbole. Yeah, too. and it's, it's just not the time or place to yeah. do that, and it's gonna make everybody feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Especially Adam Driver who who how do you respond to that really yeah like, and, and driver wasn't great with the answers either because he was he, he's from what i got from him being there is he's the kind of actor that's all about being in the moment and not really kind of over articulate yeah. articulating the craft that he is working in like he's just he just shows up does the work gives it his all and is about being in the moment. But it's very much present. that moment, not... Yeah, kind of and not sort of like talking about what he thought, it, as you said. Yeah, or maybe he doesn't think about it all that much. He kind of just lets his heart speak for it and just... Yeah, exactly, it, and yeah. let the work speak for itself. Yeah. And, and, and I really respect that. But yeah, like when you have somebody that's not really sort of... He reminds me of De Niro in that way, where like De Niro mostly just kind of sat there and maybe said like two sentences in total. And, and again, he's one of those guys that... You know, takes the material and internalizes it, and, and 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 gives a great performance. But when the job is done, he moves away from it and doesn't want to kind of overanalyze things. Mm -hmm. um, but it was it was it was cool seeing them in person, and especially like Driver being so tall. And then afterwards, I talked to Noah Baumbach about working with um, editor Jennifer Lame about finding balance between the two lead characters, and he told me that like. Even though she's not credited on the script, he was working with her from the script stage in developing the balance between the two and then again in post-production. So I, I was cool. – yeah, I thought that was really interesting and, and um, Jennifer Lame is also now uh, finishing uh, work on uh, Christopher Nolan's new movie. Oh, okay. And, and cool. she also uh, edited. So he's working with a new editor uh, with her, or has he worked with her before? Nolan. So Nolan, this is a new editor, right? Because okay. Lee Smith is the editor that usually does a lot of his stuff. Yeah. So this is the first time he's worked with somebody new in in terms of an editor. 
Um, the same way, I guess, you could look at, like, you know, when, when Wally Pfister went on to go and direct Transcendence. Yeah. And then <laughs> now Hoy Van Hoytema came yeah. in uh, to become Wally the Fister's cinematographer. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the last thing Wally really, Pfister but... directed was like episodes for The Tick on Amazon. Um, sad. Not saying that The Tick is a bad show. I've no, 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 fun, no, no. But... I mean, I like the cartoon uh, series a lot. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was interesting talking to him. He's very he was very friendly, and it was weird because like I was I was talking to him, and then one of the Netflix reps was like, "Hey, do you want a picture with him?" And I was like, "I'm not really a picture guy." I just yeah. like talking to the person. It's like, no, 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 just take a picture with him. And then I was like, are you okay with this? And Noah Baumbach is like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. And then I also told him yeah. that I uh, I really love the scene where drivers in the Invisible Man costume yeah. watching Legend. And he's like, nobody's talked to me about that. <laughs> oh, that's great. There you go, man. You always stand out. You'll always choose some weird moment. I know. I know. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was good otherwise. And, and again, I really love that movie. And it, at this point, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it more when we when we do our our, our favorite films of the year. It's in my top three still. Cool. So, yeah. yeah, it's definitely in my top ten. Like, I don't know where exactly I have it sitting right now, and I would love to give it another watch because, again, you talked about that festival fatigue kind of. Yeah, thing. and it, even stuff that you're kind of like. That's why, like, I mean, you already kind of mentioned it quickly, but I'll be seeing the two popes again relatively soon, and that's the one I'm actually really curious to see because out of that all was the at movies, the tail end of the festival yeah right? and i was like, kind of fading a little bit during that i remember even. yeah so i liked it more than you but yes yeah. but that's why i want to give it another go because i want to be fully conscious yeah, <laughs> while watching yeah. it so um, um yeah I, I again i really love marriage story and it's uh, going to be playing at the light box starting uh this friday coming up and then it'll uh be playing on uh the streaming service at the beginning of december nice uh get up to anything else in New York or didn't have much Not, time? I didn't have a lot of time. It was mostly all just kind of... Going like, to the yeah, prearranged events and with stuff? With the exception of when I first landed. Again, less than an hour to get there. Amazing. So I walked around Times Square a little bit. Um, was going to go to Sugarfish, but Sugarfish, the line was two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah. So I went to Olive Garden instead. <laughs> Bless your soul in Times Square. In Times Square, oh, I remember, remember how sick I was when we yeah. went there oh, the yeah. first time. Yeah, I and was... I couldn't even eat my pasta, and yeah. I just like threw it out. And then and I like... took some photos of John Cena from yeah. playing with fire and <laughs> with sent his, them to you with his uncomfortable <laughs> hair. Yeah. Uh, all right, great. Looks like yeah. you had a great time. So, yeah. Uh, Again, very quick. Yeah. And but you know, it was fun. That's good, man. What about you? What have you been watching? Uh, continuing my Star Wars, um, Wars, not Wars. Well, I thought you were doing like um, a Sean Connery on no. Jeopardy. Uh, Star I'll Wars. I'll take Star Wars for three hundred yeah. to break. <laughs> Uh, continuing that rewatch, so I watched. I'm on the prequel phase now. I don't know if I talked about Return of the Jedi. I think I did. Um, yeah, so, you did last time. We yeah, talked about uh, the Sarlacc pit, right, and the, and the Ewoks, Ewoks and, and the whole Jabba's stuff is awesome. But anyways, prequels. Um, I I don't know. I have. I think me and you are in the same spot with the prequels, where like. Phantom Menace is a bad movie, but there's something nostalgic about it because I was 10 years old when it came out, and I remember it being, you know, it was our generation's Star Wars movie, right? Like, we, I, I loved the other ones as a kid um, on VHS and things like that, um, and then I was, it was the first one I saw in theaters. I remember going open night, opening night in the very front row. I remember I was the one who bought, we were at a cottage with all of, because uh, it came out in May, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. It might have been like um, 
uh, was it like probably the May long weekend, maybe or something around like there? That? They yeah. usually always open uh, around Lucas's birthday. Yeah. So I remember being at a uh, family friend's cottage that weekend, and it was the Friday. And I remember convincing, just bothering everyone to go see Phantom Menace. And I remember we drove up to the small town and. Um, and we got last minute tickets. I don't know how we were able to for a Star Wars movie, but I guess because it was like a small cottage town in like May, it wasn't like, you know, somewhere where it would have been sold out way in advance. Um, but I just, I don't know. I remember sitting in the first row and I, I remember collecting those fucking Pepsi cans and Mountain Dew cans. And all the, the Taco Bell and stuff like, and the yeah. chip reader. And So I remember yeah. loving that movie as a kid and not realizing until much later. How that dumb you were. How it's, a, how it's a bad movie. But like there are elements, I think, in all of the prequels that there's interesting concepts or themes that lucas is going for he just can't execute on them and they're so convoluted and they're so uh you know over explained and and filled with exposition and and bad dialogue and like some of the action sequences are quite good the Padre. some of the score is is, in the score uh, well john williams is the goat right so like his score is great throughout all three films but like the prequels um but especially the stuff with like darth maul uh, yeah the the duel of the fates is amazing and um the darth maul stuff's awesome but he's in the movie for like 20 minutes and his last fight scene is just it's over and he's done right yeah um and then the pod racing scene's awesome but like in this edited version it's like fucking 25 minutes long it's probably not that long but like it feels that it feels that long and it is cool but you're just like, this doesn't need to be this long. And then, um, but then you also have like, I mean, Watto's still amazing. A, a racist, offensive. Oh yeah, you know, aliens. Yeah, with the Gungans and the Viceroy. Yeah, the Viceroy. Yeah. Even Watto. I mean, Watto has been, you know, called it a very harmful mean-spirited jewish stereotype right and even being a yeah i mean he's a horrible character too he's a slave owner yeah shit like that like i mean i love watto but yeah a hundred percent um so but it's also just like it, it came at a time where like lucas i mean yeah lucas is the creator of of this universe but he had other people come on to direct, whether it be Irvin right. Kushner or Richard Marquard. And so him coming back to direct these movies kind of, I think, it's full, ultimately it's full hurt Lucas, the franchise. Right? Yeah. And, and he wrote them as well. And I think he should have maybe brought in somebody to, to kind of help yeah. him out a little bit, especially with like the romance stuff. But because in, he funded these uh, all himself, yeah. right? He's like, like he I was... can do whatever I want. Yeah. But what also makes Phantom Menace a little bit more palatable, palatable is that it does – look good because it's still shot on film attack of the clones is one of those early Dude. digital movies and holy fuck so and we're gonna not look good. we're gonna get into the disney plus conversation later in the show when we talk about uh digital at home um but i mean i can touch on it here so i watched uh phantom menace and uh no sorry not phantom menace i watched that on my blu-ray before disney plus launched and then what the bit one of the big pieces of news on disney plus was all the Star Wars films were in 4K. With the Dolby. exception, isn't there one or two of them that isn't on 4K yet? Well, all seven. Um, no, I think they're all in. 4K. Oh, even even Rogue uh, Rogue. Yeah, one. yeah, okay. they're all in 4K. Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos on most. The of McClunky them. editions. Uh, most some have Dolby Atmos, not all of them. Maybe have that Dolby was Atmos, it. Um, but all have Dolby Vision 4K HDR, and um, so I watched Attack of the Clones in 4K. And you, like, that was, was oh that one of the first God. things you watched on in, Disney Plus on, in 4K? Yeah, well, after Jesus. Mandalorian, which we'll uh, uh, actually we'll touch on in this. I didn't, we didn't mention it actually. 
Uh, we're going to do uh, reviews of The Mandalorian on the review channel. Um, they're going to be in uh, packs of two. So we're going to do chapters one and two, then we'll do two and three, or three and four, and then... It's like yada, when you yada, buy yada. the Jawas, they usually come God, in twos. I can't wait to talk about that with you. But um, anyways, 4K Attack of the Clones. You, It's so... It's just... It doesn't even look like you're on the same fucking plane is like it's just all the green screen and right all the well, especially the stuff, stuff in naboo when and they yeah, go back to naboo it's just and... it's crazy and especially seeing it in 4k you're just like oh man yeah and, <laughs> um, and lucas Ewan mcgregor's Cam- beard and wig yeah it's just, just like taped on it's like, it looks like yeah in like you're like in snl and someone like will ferrell's got a fake beard on or something and it's just like because it's, oh, his, it's his real hair in the third one. But, yeah, it looks like someone just, like, like you know, taped on a fake beard. Yeah. And then the stuff with, like, Natalie Portman and, and Hayden Christensen the is love so stuff in cringeworthy Clones, and yeah. kind of date-rapey. Like, oh, 100%, it, dude. It's, he's so creepy in the whole and, thing. And, and again, the, like, you, you look at these prequels and you're like, oh, Vader at the end of the original trilogy, you know, was brought back to being Anakin again. It's like. I actually kind of like him more yeah. as Vader. <laughs> I hate him as Anakin. He sucks, dude. Like, and that's what uh, I, I killed the men and the women. Oh yeah, and the children. <laughs> killed all of them. Um, fuck, man. Young Joel I, Edgerton, though. Yeah, which I think he'll probably come back for that Disney Plus series too. But, um, anyways, Attack of the Clones, horrible. Phantom Menace. I think there are elements in there um, that are kind of fun, but um, I think out of the three. Uh, prequels, Phantom Men. I used to think Revenge, Revenge of the yeah. Sith was the best, but I've, I think I've talked about this before. I, I've talked to, to you about it at least. Is that I think Revenge of the Sith is the most disappointing because that's where Lucas wanted everything to go. Like that was yeah. the end goal to show you how Anakin became Vader. But he's and, Vader from the beginning, almost right. Like well, he's Vader's really... actually more like complex complex interesting. and interesting and not a child yeah where anakin is just an asshole always oh, even a, as a kid he's, he's an a e-boy. fucking brat yeah um that i want to kick in the pants uh sorry jake Lloyd, i just you're terrible as an actor um <laughs> Jesus, okay. it's true though yeah. it is true and, and and anyways going back to revenge of the sith like like it it's supposed to be this big culmination to that moment where like you know Oh no, Anakin's become Vader, but it it's should like, have been good. a tragic moment, right? Yeah. Like he went to the dark I side. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I know. It... And the no bit is terrible and like yeah, and so that to me is actually a bigger failure than Phantom Menace in the sense that like okay, well, you know, we started here, but we wanted to get yeah. to there. Phantom Menace is just kind of pointless. Like, yeah. what is the story in Phantom yeah. Menace? It's it, well, just I like mean, it's just them finding, finding Anakin. Anakin. <laughs> and like, why did he have to be a kid? It's kind of creepy and weird in itself that, like, yeah. and, and, and how age works there as well with him and and Like, I think she's Queen only Amidala. supposed to be, like, you know, five or six years older than him. But, right. like... But he ages, uh, like, 50 Yeah, years. and she doesn't at all. So it's just... The prequels are a mess. And it's just... Yeah. It, it's bizarre that they're all canon and, and still kind of part of everything. And I mean, but you can see like people take elements that they really like. I mean, people did genuinely like Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan and he is coming back to reprise that character. Right. And like, right. Well, be- I even liked Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon, yeah. but like he just kind of Sam Jackson as Mace Windu is weird. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he never really gets to be Sam Jackson and it's just like, well, no, he is like, Sam Jackson. Well, yeah, I think he he's is, more Sam Jackson like, than he is Mace Windu. Sure. Mace that's Windu, what I, yeah. There's no character. That's in what Mace I mean. Windu. That's what I mean. Thank other you. Than, yeah. Other than 
he has a purple lightsaber. I love that purple lightsaber. And the dude, reason so. why he has the purple lightsaber is because Sam Jackson wanted, wanted a purple it. lightsaber. And I love it, dude. So at Galaxy's Edge, you can build your own lightsaber, which I'm going to do when I go. And you can get the purplish-pink Mace Windu one when you pick your kyber crystal. I, part of me wants that. Just because I, I think it's fucking awesome. Right. But I also like the green Return of the Jedi lightsaber. Yeah, I think so. the green's my favorite. Green of, is, of uh, the like, Jedis. in Jedi Fallen Order, you can customize your lightsaber, too. And, and you start with a blue Obi-Wan-style uh, lightsaber. But I switched it over to green. But Phantom um, Menace also has this weird connotation with me a little bit. Because that was around the time... Well, that was the time when... Um, my mom and dad were getting divorced. And <laughs> I remember... like Well, no, specifically, yeah. I remember my dad was going to take uh, me and my brothers to go and see it. And he took us back to the house. And this is like near the end of, of their relationship. And they were already separated. And like there was a yelling match. Police had to be called. Like it was a whole thing. And I remember like being completely traumatized by it. And it affected the way I looked at relationships from then on out. Um, and then I remember the next day or after all of that happened, my mom took me over to my grandparents who were at that time were living in Scarborough. And so I stayed over with them for a few days and my grandmother, my Nana, um, she took me to see Phantom Menace, uh, at the Scarborough town center. Okay. And I remember that those moments very very well and they still do and so there again there's the nostalgia of it but there's also this like okay like this was a really horrible time in my my family's life and like yeah like i just i i mean i i take it for what it is now and i'm far enough removed to you know be okay with it or at least accept it for what it was but it's weird when you think like oh yeah i saw that at the scarborough town center with my grandmother after these horrible you know, this horrible fight broke out and like thinking, you know, like being really excited about it. And, and, and again, like collecting the, the memorabilia and the pop cans and all that stuff. And, and, and just kind of feeling at the same time, like, Oh, like this is what adulthood can, the ugliness of adulthood can be like. Mm -hmm. Well, brought it all back to marriage story. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, really. I mean, (laughs) I know. Although um, I would say their their divorce uh, is more amicable, amicable than my parents' work. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I did see The Irishman, which I haven't talked about. Yes. So, uh, which I'm a little tepid on. Um, right. Now, you tried to see it once and... Oh, I, I mean, I didn't go, but like I was... Go- we recorded and then I got really drunk during those podcasts and the next morning woke up and I was like... I can't sit through three and a half hours today. I just can't do it. I was too hungover. And, right. Um, but Neva still went. Right? She went. Yeah. Uh, she liked it. Um, I went the next day uh, by myself. Your brother was actually at the same screening. Uh, and Alex Reno. Hey, Alex. Uh, it was good to see you. I, I tweeted at you an hour and a half before you showed up to the theater. And you were like, you've been here this whole time? I'm like, yeah, I just had nowhere else to go. I just, you know, three and a half hour movie, decided to sit in a theater for an hour beforehand. You got to get comfortable. Um, I needed that front row seat with the extra leg room. Uh, Anyways, my thoughts. Uh, I think it's a good movie um, that I kind of just don't feel anything for. Like I've already, like haven't really thought about it until you brought it up. I almost forgot about seeing it until I looked up my... Uh, uh, what I've been watching, and I just, 
I don't feel one way or another on it. Like, I have no ill will towards it. I don't really have anything that I really loved about it. I think that... Uh, You're neutral. The, the, yeah. Um, the length like. wasn't even my problem with it. Like, I never really... I did go to the bathroom at the uh, two-hour mark, and I was like, oh, my God, there's still an hour and a half left. I'm like, there's a whole movie left. Right. Um and that wasn't like I was feeling the length. I just went to the bathroom and looked at my watch and I was like, fuck, there's still an hour and a half left. And for me, I just I just never felt anything for anyone in the movies. Don't know what I was supposed to care about or what I was supposed to take away from it. I, I didn't really get much from any of it. And I just I just kind of was like, okay. And then, but you've been like this before with Scorsese. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've talked about this where you rewatched Goodfellas, sure. and, and and you seem to like, like it, it a, a lot, lot more. more. Yeah, sort of watching it what ten years after the yes. initial watch or so. Yeah. So I'd be curious to see if you if you would if go I, back as and, I'm older and like yeah, because it does deal with a lot of that. Because too, yeah, it's to like, do with aging. It's to, to to look back at the things that we regret and feel most guilty of. But also, I mean, if you look at it just as a more abstract point of view and see it as, you know, what Scorsese's saying about his own career and De Niro's sure. work in the film as, you know, like the world that they created in cinema and how that plays out. And I'm not saying that I I think it's a really, really good movie. I don't think it's a masterwork per se, but there are scenes that I continue to think about even now, having seen it at the beginning of November, um, where, you know, like whether it be the watermelon Thing, which I thought yeah. was really, really funny. There are some good stuff. Or There's Joe Pesci. In Joe Pesci is, I will say. As Ruff, Russell Buffalino in prison. To cut you off Yeah, quickly, no, 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 please. I think Pesci is amazing. I think most of the cast is very good. Pacino, yeah. like you mentioned, I think it's the best thing he's done yeah, in a Yeah, well, long Pesci time. is doing something completely different from what he's ever done before. He's he's playing the quiet, reserved guy who. The head honcho. The head too. honcho, but not imposing in, in a way that you would think he would be and you know we when you see you know raging bull goodfellas or casino he's the live wire he's the guy that is so unpredictable here he's the boss but at the same time he's measuring everybody so up he's the and man he's, behind the curtain yeah, sort of he's like, strategic yeah you know and he t does take a genuine liking to frank sheeran robert de niro's character and i liked the emotions between the two yep. like it is very much a a, a familial bond mm -hmm. um that they have and 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 i think that there are times where you know like he wishes that he had his own kids and he's trying to connect with peggy sure even though she kind of doesn't like him that much or even you know her own father for that matter and finds more of a, a a connection with with Jimmy Hoffa, yeah. which is kind of interesting, and then like you know the last act of that movie where we see those two characters go and how they change over the years, um, I thought was really powerful and emotionally yeah. devastating in a very quiet kind of way, and it was just great to see like Pesci deliver something that he's never really done before. Where Pacino, Pacino's doing what Pacino does best, but he's doing it with a filmmaker that knows his strengths exactly. and is saying hey we're gonna funnel this and make it you know it's 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 a big performance and i think 
he could win the supporting actor Oscar Pacino for for playing Jimmy Hoffa, but at the same time, there's there's something about how he works with great filmmakers that remind you of when he started in in the 70s mm-hmm. and like Pacino can go big and chew the scenery and he does here but he does it in a way that only Pacino can and yeah. does it so well but there's also little moments now when I was watching them during the interview Scorsese and Pacino were talking about there's one specific scene in one specific house I'm sure you know what I'm referencing mm-hmm. here the house and they said that they did specific things to it to okay. make it look off-putting. Yeah, yeah, And I'm totally. very curious to go back and rewatch that scene to look okay. at what they did in the set design. Because they, they did certain things. And Scorsese has also been very candid about having recently fallen in love with Ari Aster's filming style. That I can't yeah. help but think that maybe... He took some cues from from the set direction and design. I'd like to talk to you about that after. But jumping on a couple things you said, I think mostly why I'm tepid. Not the biggest Scorsese guy. Like I, I like him. Right. Uh, but oh, you should talk Marvel, right? No, not even that. Like even before then. Like, and I, I, I respect the guy, but I just he's not one of my you know top tier go to. Like I'm obsessed with with. Scorsese like right. I love like again this is a basic bitch film guy opinion but I mean like I love the departed that's like my favorite Scorsese well that's not movie. a bad Scors- no Depa- but when Scorsese has gotten fun, a bad rap though like, no it has of, it has like, because because it won, won him the directing yes, Oscar yeah but and one best picture too right? yeah, yeah yeah but but at the same time like that's a movie where he needed that after working with Harvey Weinstein with yeah. both The Aviator, which, was, which wasn't which was a passion project. That was going to be a Michael Mann movie. And yeah. Michael Mann actually was afraid of flying. So he gave the project sure, over yeah. to Scorsese. But before that, he had worked with Harvey Weinstein on Gangs of New York. And Gangs of New York was the film that Scorsese had been wanting to make since after doing Mean Streets. So this was back in 73. Yeah. yeah passion project he put a he put an ad in variety saying like i want Martin make scorsese's this, yeah. next film is gangs of new york and it was going to start de niro and it was going to yeah. be this epic and unfortunately you know time money you know tons of failures at you know new york new york didn't do that well king of comedy failed after hours failed um it wasn't until the color uh of money that kind of saved him a little bit when in terms of box office and kept him going but when he finally got to it in the early 2000s the movie was micromanaged by the weinstein company and right so after having done those two films kind of like a watered down version of what he wanted. yeah and and it, and 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 they were really gearing to those both of those movies as awards films yeah where scorsese wanted to make the movie he wanted to make and not necessarily you know, I'm, I want this to be nominated for Best Picture, even sure. though they were. Both of them were, The Aviator yeah. and, and Gangs in New York. But with The Departed, what you're seeing with The Departed is Scorsese just was, like, released and is having a blast. That's why I that love movie. that movie, yeah. And it's the same thing with, with Cape Fear, where Cape Fear is a job for hire because that was going to be a Spielberg movie. But Spielberg kind of shied away from the violence. Yeah. And so he gave it to Scorsese. And Scorsese, again, needed it at a time where, you know, he wasn't getting a lot of work. And um, his past couple of movies, like The Last Temptation of Christ, hadn't done that well financially. 
So with Cape Fear, like you can tell, like okay, like this is a neo noir, but he's playing with the form and kind of again just letting loose, doing things that are so experimental that you would see in avant-garde movies or his documentaries and it's like there's some daring stuff in there i've never seen cape fear (laughs) you Uh, should watch you would like the movies that i would recommend for you are like i almost feel like you should go for the films that aren't his like his movies like you i think you would really like after hours yeah bringing out the dead although that that is closer to scorsese's theme but it's written by paul schrader um because I want to go see... And Cape Fear. Cape Fear you would really like. So I think the why I say that, too, is I, I, I watched a lot of Scorsese when I was younger. It's his birthday and today, just, by the way. Oh, so yeah. happy birthday. Yeah. Just talking about how much I don't really care. Happy 77th, um, baby. I like Scorsese. I just like... I, I, I watched a lot when I was like in high school, and I just right. don't think I really connected with a lot of it. And um, haven't gone back to try and give a lot of it a, another shot. So with this t- uh, Lightbox retrospective coming up at the, I think next week or this November twenty second. So the yeah. first movie they're screening is his uh, an adaptation of his student film, which is his first movie. Yeah, Who's That Knocking at My Door with Harvey Keitel, mm-hmm. shot in black and white. And that's another scene I really, and I think I might have talked about it when I talked about the yeah, Irishman, where yeah, it's yeah. like. That moment of the Irishman. Yeah, Yeah, that's my Avengers moment. Um, But yeah, like there's a retrospective at TIFF going from November 22nd to the beginning of January. And they're playing the majority of his films. Not every single one. Not every one. But like, I mean. It's close to it though. Yeah. I'm sure there's a couple of his documentaries that they're not playing. But but there's a lot of stuff. Like even – a lot on 35 mil. Yeah, and and right. one of the things I love about about it is that you can go back and look. Like, there's some of his movies that aren't available on Blu-ray yet. After Hours, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, Who's That Knocking at My Door? Like, these are movies that are kind of underrated in, in the canon of Scorsese and a man who's had such a, an amazing career already. So if you want to give his films a shot i would say the best way to do it is on a big screen and if you are living in the toronto area or anywhere that is having retrospectives because i feel that there's a number of theaters uh whether they be in america or internationally that are kind of you know celebrating the career of scorsese right now i would i would recommend that but you also really liked hugo so i do no there are scorsese movies wall street uh, i love wolf of wall street i love um shutter island um so there are lots favorite film yeah so uh i do want to uh go see a lot of that i always say this during these retrospectives and then i like don't end up going but there are i gotta tick off a few that i need to go see because i would really like to kind of see them on the big screen and then yeah seeing a lot of this stuff on 35 mil at lightbox is just an incredible experience so I definitely uh, even favorites that I've seen a hundred times like Departed and, and Shutter Island I might actually uh, go see because like I haven't seen a lot of those in a theater right um, Departed I uh, I think I did but I can't remember I was working at the movie theater when it came out but anyways um, that was my first review for Rogers was the Departed oh, wow. yeah I remember um, seeing that in the theater three times wow um, so anyways I I was very medium very indifferent i guess is the right. the right word where um and then when you talk about the emotional resonance in the end of the movie i just never got that because i'm like these are all bad people i don't care about any of you like rotten 
rot in jail and die. I don't really care. Right. So I'm like, I don't feel bad for you. I don't feel bad that you didn't connect with your family. I don't feel bad for Joe Pesci. I don't feel bad. Like, again, I, you're reflecting on your life. I don't care. Go die. I just don't care. Why the fuck do I care? You're a bad person. But they're complex people. They're like, not. I, I think that they're complex like, individuals. I feel no sympathy for any of them. So I don't, I'm just I don't feel bad for what they've done, but they still have human characteristics i don't give a fuck though you've you've done so many horrible things that i don't care about your human traits you're a bad person interesting like why would i care about how you feel or how you're feeling or how any of that shit but frank is feeling remorse and guilt you shouldn't have fucking murdered tons of people go i don't care right (laughs) so that's the thing like i just i i feel like in movies Yes, you can show bad people uh, uh, doing bad things, and but just I, I don't know. I just you're trying to make them sympathetic by the end, and I'm like, I, why did the fuck? But do I, I also care? think it makes them pathetic. That's the other thing sure. that I do think okay. that's interesting about take about that. that film is that you see again going spoiler alert for a film that's his, has historical yeah, sure. relevance. You see, again, with the Pesci character specifically, you see this guy who is a made man, who is the, you know, leader of a crime syndicate, a crime family in Pennsylvania, has it all, is in complete control, but then by the end of it, he's got nothing. He's an old crippled man like it was it all worth it is essentially yeah and 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 that's also interesting looking at how that the scenes in prison in this movie compared to the scenes in goodfellas where it's almost like a day at the spa or vacation where when if you make it to an old age if you make it to to old age which is highly unlikely for a lot of these guys in this profession well i like the get the visual get yeah and that that is that is a that is funny and like the the couple people that actually are decent people living to an old age but if you make it to that point in your life you've got nothing left because everything you've you've destroyed yeah you know everything that you hold dear is either gone or you know what you've done to others you you're you're left to your own devices and you're reflecting on that i understand and seeing and seeing like even the way that like you know they're they're sharing you know the the wine in in prison. I did want to right after that movie. I'm like, I want to get some red wine and a yeah, nice and loaf dipping of bread. it in into bread. Yeah. And again, like it's showing you how sad and pathetic this man is, who used to have all the power in the world, and the yeah. juxtaposition of that is fascinating. I do like the idea of that. Like you did all of this, and none of it was really like, what do you have no. because of it? Like I I, I do. You might have had some power and some money and influence at one, at time, one time, but, but at the end of the day, and that's the other thing that Scorsese talked about. It's like even with Jimmy Hoffa, it's like time has a way of making you or other people forget who you are even yeah. if you're famous like yeah. people will just eventually forget anyways yeah okay and that's kind of interesting i i'll give it to you i just didn't care fuck you uh i gave it a three on letterbox i know i'm not reviewing it but uh like again i gave it a pass i'm just like i didn't right. i didn't feel one way or another on it i was just like okay um charlie's angels however <laughs> did i rank rate it better than the irishman I did. do i think it's better than the irishman i don't know um so i went to the screening of charlie's angels uh directed by elizabeth banks 
uh, on Wednesday. Um, we're not going to do a full review of it because you haven't seen it yet. No, no. You'll, I'm sure you'll catch it down the line some sometime. But um, I actually had a lot of fun with it. I won't spend too much time on it. But um, again, it, it didn't do very well this weekend. And I and you brought up a good point before, just being like, I just it's not a property that I think anyone really cares about. But um, I actually think that it is like a lot of fun and um i love the cast and i think kristen stewart's having a blast and uh i think she is the best part of the movie and um there's some really good gags in there i don't think everything quite lands uh it's a little clunky like it it starts kind of rough and then i kind of it finds its groove a little bit and and the action sequences are are, are solid and and i just like the chemistry between uh, the three girls and 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 elizabeth banks and um and showcasing uh kind of expanding more on like i, I don't remember the mcg movies from the 90s all that much early or 2000s. the early 2000s sorry um because the first one was in 2000? 2000, 2000 2001. Like it like um, you know that it was an early 2000s movie when they cast someone like Tom Green. Right. You yeah. know, I mean I know at that point she he was, was engaged dating. with yeah, uh, engaged, Drew yeah. Barrymore. So. But I like how it ties it, it has subtle callbacks to both the Mick G franchise and the uh, the TV series and and I think Patrick Stewart's having a lot of fun too. Yeah. <laughs> um kind of chewing the scenery there and and uh I don't know. I, I had a good time with it. I don't really have much else to say. Like it, it, all that being said, it was one of the worst screening experiences I've ever had, which I know <laughs> Do share, Matt. Each, every every week we always I, I feel like I always have a story. Would, would you but, say that this is in your top five worst screenings? Uh screening audiences? Yeah. Yeah, I would say it's up there. So anyways, the movie's kind of fun. Uh, this feminist action movie that I feel like people, I wish people supported a little bit more. I know it's just franchise filmmaking and it's another reboot and things like that. But like, but if they're trying I, or they're they're making a conscious effort to actually do something more with the legacy of you know this this IP, the yeah. same way that like the way that you were describing it a little bit, it sounded a lot like Terminator Dark Fate, where it starts off a little bit rocky, but then finds its groove and then eventually is actually saying something interesting about the franchise and about feminism. And then, I, I totally think yeah. that is all true. And, and, and like... even Dr. Sleep, again, playing with sort of how we look at one movie and how we look at, you know, the original source material and how it kind of plays within sort of a, a, a middle ground between yeah. the two. And all three of these films are just bombing at the box I office. know. And I know I'm the worst person to say this, but a lot of the uh, the men in the movie are, are very heavy-handedly awful people to right. the point where I'm like – would you all be acting this way? Like, I know there are shitty men out there who do these things, um, but I don't want to be like the not all men kind of thing. But like right. when each man that they run into does a very. Um, now, you know, are they running into them on the job or in their personal lives? A mix of both. Okay. And they're both being like, you know, they're undercover. So they're technically right. on the job. Because like, I say if it's on some the job, are, then like I can understand them because some of them they're are infiltrating villains. horrible yes. people yes. in general. But some of them were just like a security guard who worked. And they make them out to be kind of creepy. So then when something happens later, you don't care what happens right. to this like guy. Like the Irishman. Yeah. And like, <laughs> so, yeah, sure. Uh, so I don't know. I, some of that stuff was a little like, ah, okay, you're going a little bit too too much with this where i feel like you could have sprinkled this in here and there and, and made a, a more interesting maybe statement other than it being kind of very you know heavy handed a little bit and it's like very obvious like shitty men 
um, <laughs> portrayals in the movie. Shitty man. Uh, which is fine because I do th- agree that like I think it it w- these three super strong women in this whole agency of super kick-ass badass women and that even plays into like some of the cameos you get throughout the movie of like people playing themselves but they're part of this charlie's angels agency kind of thing um uh even how they twist the the charlie character and all these other things like i thought was kind of cool and like um and uh getting into the i don't i don't remember this show or the movie if they got into uh bosley or there being multiple bosleys and no no what happened with the show um, there was i think there was only one bosley or maybe they replaced the actor but it was always one yeah because with this show like i mean that was like a show in our parents time and like that made farrah fawcett a household name but with the movies, the, the McGee films, it was Bill Murray in the first one, and everybody but him returned because he had a horrible time working on the film, and him and Lucy Liu specifically were at odds with each other. Oh, yeah. So then they brought in Bernie Mac right. to play the new Bosley, and how they kind of connected Bosley from Bill Murray's Bosley and his Bosley is like they were adoptive brothers or something like okay. that. Okay. Well, they expand on the Bosley mythos in this. Uh, I don't know. I actually kind of... The Bosley-verse? I kind of had fun with it. it. It's clunky. It's not It's not a great movie, but like I I kept going back and forth watching it of being like, I don't know about this. And like, oh, okay, I'm having some fun. And I just think Kristen Stewart does... She's awesome in it, and you can tell that she's kind of like let loose and... And she's very much herself, or what you would assume her personality would be like, but right. kind of done. Did to you watch degree, uh, any of so. the uh, actors on actors variety? I watched the Adam Sandler, Brad Pitt uh, one, some of it. But, so I was watching a little bit of, of the one with her because she's promoting uh, Seaberg right now yeah. and uh, Shia LaBeouf. Oh, her and Shia LaBeouf. And there's a bit where they're talking about reality TV, and like okay. every time, like she'll mention or he'll mention like a show, a reality series they watch, and he goes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was really strong. It's strong. It's strong. Yeah. <laughs> God bless him. I got to go back and watch a bunch more of those. I love the Sandler and, and Brad Pitt one. It was kind of, uh, I love that kind of stuff. Strong. So, strong. It was strong. It strong. was very strong. <laughs> the, is Charlie's Angels strong? Uh, I don't know about that, but I, I kind of had fun with it. And I think that it's an easy watch, I would say. Like, right. do you need to rush to the theater to go see it? No. Would it have been better, like, on a streaming service? Or it's one of those movies. Oh, I didn't even get to my experience. But my experience even uh, kind of adds to the fact that I wish this was just available at home, right? Like, this is a movie that I would have rented with Nevis, would have smoked a joint and watched this movie at home. And in 4K. In 4K, Dolby Atmos on my couch. No fucking people around me. And I probably would have had a good time with it, right? It's a good plane movie, right? Right. That kind of thing. Um, Which it will become that probably in two months from Exactly. Now. And I, if, you, if you're on an airplane and Charlie's Angels is on there, go, yeah, you know what? I will watch this movie. And I'm sure you'll go, that was okay. Um, so anyways, my screening. You know these promo screenings. They're always interesting, right? You get a lot of people who get free tickets. Maybe they don't go to the movies that often, or I don't know. Maybe or they maybe they just don't they care just about don't, movie theater yes, etiquette. So they just get free tickets to things. I have no idea. So, anyways, Charlie's Angels. There are tiers of movies when we go to these things. Of like, what do I want to put my energy into? You know, do I care if homies on his phone over there or a group of people are talking over here um depending on the film i will let something slide just because i can't muster up the energy charlie's angels is on that level of like you know what 
I don't know. Who cares? Like, if someone's on their phone for a little bit or someone's talking, like, I don't have the energy to, like, get mad at someone during this screening because I don't really – you know what? Like, I'm not – I want to be invested in the movie, and unless it's, like, completely distracting to the point where I can't pay attention to the movie, I'm not going to say anything. But anyways, sit down. We're in that front. If people have been to the AMC or the old AMC – the... And you were also I... mentioning before – I just want to quickly set this yeah. up – that the theater it wasn't that full – it wasn't at first. It ended up filling up. Oh, but okay. where we like to sit usually, which is closer to the front, For that sometimes leg in that leg room row at the very front. Uh, when people go to the movies, they that's not a very popular area, right? People like to sit in the middle or near people the back. So we tend to get a lot of the people who come in right before the movie starts, which tend to be the people who obviously don't care that much because they get to the movie very late. Does that make sense? Yep. So we tend to get people who don't have that proper movie theater etiquette a lot, or at least I'm finding that I'm like, why are you always sitting near me? And I'm like, oh, maybe it's because I like to choose seats that people think are bad. So they don't sit there until later where I think they're great seats. So anyways, we're sitting in this front row, which has like extra leg room. um, And a group of girls came in, right before the movie started because it wasn't that busy and sat in the row right in front of us, a group of seven girls that probably go to, uh, you know, uh, Ryerson or something. And immediately I'm like, I'm not trying to, you know, stereotype people, but I'm like, oh, God, no. <laughs> like, um, Is someone going to pull out their phone oh, yeah. the movie? Yeah. Oh, and they did. <laughs> um, and anyways, we're in this other row, and there's some an older couple sitting uh, right behind us, not trying to stereotype again, but I'm like, oh, no. Are they going to start talking during <laughs> yeah. the movie? Oh, and they did. <laughs> um, and then uh, our row was kind of like, you know, it was filled up, but there were two seats beside me and then um, a couple seats at the end of the row. So the movie started already. Girl on in front of me is already on her phone in the first five minutes of the movie, just straight up texting Attention people. spans have and just I'm diminished like, completely. Why? Just watch the movie. Put your phone away for two hours. It's like, you don't need to. Uh, older couple behind me, you know, doing that thing where they're kind of, you know, commenting Giving a play on, every, by play yeah, commentary. on everything that's happening. And I'm like, cool, cool, Matt, stay cool. <laughs> like, let's just not just yell the, at... The level um, rising before I'm you like, burst. I'm just going to chill. I'm not going to yell at anyone this screening. I do it too often. I'm just going to like – not yell, but like I, I tell people to stop doing things very often. I don't yell at people. But um, then about 10, 15, 20 minutes into the movie, a group of four people come in and a baby, a family with a baby, not a small child, a baby come into the theater. There are a group of four or five of them trying to find seats. They're talking over by the doorway, trying to figure out where they're going to sit, talking very loudly. Um, and I'm like, I, I was laughing. Like it was almost comical at this point because I was like laughing to Nevis being like, I can't believe this shit. Like I'm just like openly going, what the fuck is happening here? So this family comes and they sit in two different areas and then they like get up again and the, the two of them come and sit directly beside me, not the baby, but two other people from this family. Be great if they just put me. the baby. Um, and then the other two people sit at the end of this row with the baby. The baby is, you know, making noise, what baby noises, you know, like kind of screaming, but not crying, but laughing, screaming kind of thing that babies do. Baby noises. Right. So making baby noises. And you're kind of just like, what? like, you're like, why, why, why? And... So the baby's making noises and you're like, 
I guess we're just this is we're gonna put up with this. Like, and it's not consistent. Max level to kill is rising. It's not consistent enough where you. I think you could have immediately been like, what are you doing? Like, no. Um, but the baby wasn't like consistently making noise. It would just make noise for short bursts and then kind of be quiet for a while. Until. Um, until the last act of the movie. So we're like an hour and a half into this movie. So probably got like, you know, 20 minutes left. Um, for 20 to 30 minutes left. I forget how long the movie is. This baby just full on starts crying, like screaming, crying, <laughs> like a your classic, you know, baby cry. And I'm thinking, oh, well, okay, they're going to get up and leave the theater immediately, right? Because no, no one can pay attention. There's a fucking crying baby in the movie theater. And they're not. It's just crying, and everyone starts – like, the audience starts to turn on these people. Like, we were pretty patient with this family, right. being like, you brought a baby here. We'll put up with it. We're trying to be nice to you. But when your baby starts screaming and crying in the middle of this fucking movie, then people started going, come on, like other people being like – and then I'm I'm starting to fucking – my blood is boiling. <laughs> and like, um, and your blood is like, pressure is my Nevis is like – Nevis is trying to be like, Matt, it's, Matt. it's okay. <laughs> Please, like, Matt, don't hurt him. And then, so then I just go, take your baby out of the theater. And I yell at them from our row like that. Like, imagine me screaming at the, like, at them from our row. Yeah. And like, look, like I lean over and look at them and scream this in the theater. And it, I screamed that very loudly. So people could, they could hear me and other people. And then, um, it's during like an action sequence. And then the person did get up and, and leave the theater (laughs) and then never came back. So and I felt bad because like two of the people who are in this family were sitting right beside me. Right. <laughs> so I hope um, you're proud of yourself, Matt. Uh, and I screamed very loud into the mic. I'm sorry if that uh, startled anyone. But anyways, except that baby. Uh, I couldn't listening. believe it, dude. And people were just fucking talking on their phones. Nevis was like the girl in front of me. Luckily, I couldn't see it. She was kind of shielding because she was like directly in front of me. So I couldn't see her on her phone. But Nevis could. And she's like she was straight up on her phone like most of the movie. Right. And I'm like, I would have also told her to stop if I saw that. But um, anyways, it was one of the most horrible audiences I've ever dealt with. Um, even me yelling at them wasn't like scary yelling it was more like you are being an asshole leave the theater and it seemed like other people appreciated me yelling right. at them you're a hero um, man so i was the hero that theater needed i um, i hope that uh you're you'll be in the next uh, issue of time magazine yeah person of the year matt <laughs> he told people to stop getting on their cell phones and stop bringing babies into <laughs> yells yells uh, at babies <laughs> I'm like, if you can't get a baby, like, I get it. You can't get a babysitter sometimes, but, like, also, no. Right. Just, no. You might have won these tickets, sure, but, like, I don't care. Remember, Maybe. though, when we went to the screening of Disobedience and there was at also TIFF. a TIFF and there was a, a baby? A premiere at TIFF. Yeah. Who let that baby in the theater? At the Elgin Theater? I'd be like, no, <laughs> get out of here. I like, just remember, because there was a fight that broke out with somebody else as well, and then you heard this baby cry, and then I think you were like, is that a baby? <laughs> yeah, it's. there's some times where you're like, you can't even believe the series of events that are happening, and you just, it's almost comical, right? Like, you're not even that mad, because you're just like... It's just so absurd. It's so absurd, you're just like, why? why do I... 
why does anyone want to go to the movies anymore? No wonder everyone wants to just watch Disney Plus at home. Yeah, like, no, like, no wonder Charlie's Angels only made about $8, $8 million. Because everyone will wait people were afraid it. of yeah. babies coming well, to the no, theater. Everyone, Charlie's Angels is the perfect movie where people would have, like, I bet you would have made more money opening weekend if you just dropped it on fucking VOD. Right, I, I, but I only, I honestly think at this point, like nobody really cares about that franchise. I agree, but I'm just saying, I think it would have made more than eight million dollars <laughs> if you would have dropped it on VOD. I guess I don't know, maybe, um, or just put it on. That should have been a Netflix movie or something right. like that. Like that. Hence why been. Michael Bay's movie coming up. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that poster for Six Underground? Oh my God! Yeah. No. Oh like, man. I'll watch it after. No, just the poster. Or the poster. That's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Horrible. Okay. Can't wait to look at it. Anyways, I'm look that's this my up review of Charlie's Angels. Uh, is it worth going to a theater? I don't know. Maybe on a cheap Tuesday. But even then, beware of cheap Tuesday audiences. All right. We are an hour in, and we've just gotten through what we've been watching. Oh, man. Classic. Um, well, you're going to show me this poster? Uh, God. It's horrible. <laughs> I can't wait to watch this fucking thing. I wish Lightbox was getting it. But right. They're not. Do you think that'll get a Criterion release I or hope what? so. <laughs> well, that's news coming up, guys. We'll talk about that soon. Uh, all right. Let's move on to staying at home. Um, Eric, do you want to quickly run through your Blu-ray picks? You don't need to talk – not to tell you not to talk about things. But, Eric, shut up. Uh, okay, yeah. No, I'll be quick with uh, three of them. Uh, I didn't mean, Eric, you don't need to talk. I just mean we don't need to go to, super into Right, detail. right. I, I, I got gotcha. you. So uh, – Shout Factory and Scream Factory and Kino Lorber have sent me some stuff that I need to talk about. Um, one quickly that a, a movie I, I actually rewatched that I really really enjoy called Road Games has okay. a collector's edition that uh, came out through Scream Factory. It's now available on Blu-ray. Um, it's directed. Uh, what's his name? Why am I forgetting his name? God uh, damn it! It's like those two names. How dare you? Uh, Richard Clark. Okay. And so Richard Clark is an Australian filmmaker, um, exploitation filmmaker from the uh, early 80s who had uh, an affinity for Hitchcock and would eventually go on to direct uh, Psycho 2 and a weird ape movie called Link that was kind of like in that time where George Romero and him were making competing ape movies, Link and Monkey Shines. Um, this, however, kind of falls into that category of um duel or joyride so stacy keach plays a truck driver um who picks up a hitchhiker played by jamie lee curtis in the outback two americans find each other in the outback go figure uh and they're being stalked and chased by a killer truck driver and it's a horror film but also a psychological thriller uh, really, really well done. There's some great action uh, stunt chases and some thrilling moments. And Stacy Keach is the man. Yeah, Stacy Keach is awesome. He's so good. He's 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 a lot of fun in the movie. And the movie is 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 a new uh, uh, transfer. There's a lot of great special features, including an interview with Stacy Keach. Um, it's it had been released on Blu-ray before through Umbrella, which is an Australian company, but discontinued. Um, if you're a fan of those movies that I kind of mentioned already, or or uh, The Hitcher with Rucker Hauer, this is the kind of film that I would definitely recommend. Um, 
and again, like Richard Clark kind of played in that te- territory of kind of genre horror films. But also he did Cloak and Dagger, which is a really fun kind of kids movie from uh, the mid 80s with Henry Thomas of uh, E.T. fame. Um, the next movie that I will uh, quickly recommend is Mike Cimino's Thunderbolt and Lightfoot starring Clint Eastwood and uh, Jeff Bridges. Really solid little heist movie. It was right before... Um, Mike Cimino directed Deer Hunter and won a ton of Oscars and then went on to direct Heaven's Gate after that. And that movie just kind of completely destroyed his career and Hollywood in general with the (laughs) the budget. But now it's kind of found a new life through through Criterion and a lot of people really appreciate the the making of that film and the authenticity that he was kind of bringing into kind of a classic frontier western but with with thunderbolt and lightfoot it's a really solid buddy heist movie eastwood is weirdly like when you look at eastwood then compared to now is very charming and likable jeff bridges in one of his kind of first big roles is great got an oscar nomination uh for it uh it's been released through uh kino lorber studio classics um they all uh, that's available now on blu-ray they also sent me a copy of uh charlie uh Verick with uh walter Matthau in the lead um another really kind of solid little uh crime uh drama that has a little bit of a comedic element in in it as well uh directed by don siegel who directed uh a lot of again a lot of eastwood films like the dirty harry movies this has never been available in widescreen before the original dvd was full full screen screen, like that pan and scan crap and i think it was universal so kino lorber uh classics is actually those days sorry to cut you off no no no. you had ebert siskel and ebert talked about it back on their show in like the 80s how like you know you would get these movies where like you get a wide shot that was then turned into a medium or a close-up and then you had like close-ups that were like extreme close-ups right because you the because i remember even the days both on vhs and dvd where you'd have to buy either the full screen version or the widescreen version yeah which is wild yeah and 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 again like it's just it, it 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 makes all the difference. Like People it hate opens those black up bars. Yeah, it but. opens up the frame. It shows you what's going on. You can see everyone and everything happening. Uh, it's a really solid little movie. It's kind of forgotten. Um, but if you're looking for like kind of an anti Walter Matthau movie, this is the one I would recommend. Okay. Uh, and then. Uh, one of the best concert documentaries I've ever seen, directed by uh, Taylor Hackford, uh, about uh, Chuck Berry. Uh, Chuck Berry, Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll, um, which is also uh, first time on Blu-ray for uh, Shout Factory. And it has a, a lot of really s- solid special features. But on top of that, you know, I look at The Last Waltz. Uh, the Talking Heads Stop Making Sense, and this is three of the best docs that captures the entertainer in their moment. And Chuck Berry is a problematic musician now. I don't know if you knew, uh, but like in the last few years of his life, he had a restaurant, and what he did was he had cameras set up in the women's washrooms and would film them urinating. Yeah. It's assault. Yeah. It, like, it's just, it is what it is. But as a musician, like, he influenced rock and roll and, like, specifically, like, you look at a song like School Days, which is, like, one of the, like, greatest 
rock and roll songs ever made and seeing him play on stage is truly electric yeah so if you're into concert docs like this is one i would highly recommend and shut up and play the hits is another one as well um that i think is really really great and then last but certainly not least and i'm going to need uh the printout your that they show sent notes me because or my shout notes because it's also shout factory um i haven't had ch- chance to watch any of this yet um, but they sent me the Abbott and Costello, the complete universal pictures collection, which is available this week. Um, and in it, there are 28 films. Wow. Um, this is like a perfect gift for your dad. Um, you know, see like the infinity saga. Yes. But, <laughs> but with Abbott and Costello talking about who's on first. Um, I think my favorite of theirs is Abbott and Costello, uh, meet Frankenstein and, and, and stuff like that when they would pair yeah. these comedic vaudeville duos with, you know, properties based on what studio sort of signed them. Okay. And like, they're, they're not as good as like, say the Marx brothers yeah. or, um, you know, Laurel and Hardy. But what I love about Abbott and Costello is that they do have amazing comedic timing and they're kind of quintessential American comics for that period, you know, in the forties, thirties, forties onward. And even though like some of their stuff is dated, it's not as, there's some problematic stuff here and there, but it's not as bad as like some of the stuff in uh, a few of the Marx Brothers movies and right. things like that. So like that box set is stacked. Like if you if you're looking for like the quintessential you know Abbott and Costello collection, this is it. Like this is something I will be going through over the holidays when I have five minutes of free time. Okay, because like it, there's literally stuff in there that I haven't even seen before. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, on the digital end, uh, I just want to talk about Disney Plus, <laughs> really. I don't have any other picks, but um, Disney Plus launched this Tuesday, uh, this past Tuesday. You guys are listening to this probably uh, a week after it came out. Basically, I just kind of wanted to talk about it. it's not about out it. everywhere yet, though. No, either, so right? it, we should mention it is only available in uh, the United States, uh, Canada, and the Netherlands, I believe. Or maybe one other area, but those right. are the three that I um, I remember. But it is available in Canada. Um, Eric and I both have subscribed. Uh, I've been messing around with it a little bit. Um, I know we both have watched the first two episodes of The Mandalorian, which um, we will uh, – actually, you guys can go listen to our review of the first two episodes right now. So please, please go do that. It's over on the Untitled Movie Reviews uh, channel. So I would love if you guys go do that. It's Werner Herzog um, approved. Yeah. It is cinema at its finest. Um, I just want to get your thoughts. I don't know if you've dabbled in anything else or if you just messed around with the UI and um, basically our initial impressions. I watched an episode of Gargoyles. Sick. So that's basically all I want to talk to you about. Like, So I downloaded it uh, Tuesday morning. I woke up super early to try to watch Mandalorian before work. I know they had some issues on launch day, which I think were expected. I mean, they were launching a brand new streaming service. But that happens and, with like, any yeah. new service or, or, or technical uh innovation right like you're going to have the growing pains i mean look look at every year with tiff right when it comes to you know i mean that's maybe not a 
a first time thing, but like every year when Ticketmaster tickets, comes yeah. up, it always crashes. Well, you can only do so much on that right. end, right? You can plan as much as you want, but the demand sometimes is always going like, and I think the demand for Disney Plus was even bigger than they expected, right? Like they said that they were planning, they wanted to get 8 million subscribers by the end of the year and they had 10 million on day one. Um, so dear, like, dear God, um, things like that. So anyways, um, uh, yeah, had some problems the first day. I didn't have any problems in the morning, but I did have some throughout the day as I was trying to log on, but it seemed like they fixed them all by the end of the first day. And then I haven't really had any issues since. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like even at work I'm finding, and it's all people wanted to talk about this week. And my, my sister messaged me on the first day and was like, I set up our, I subscribed and I signed up our Disney plus profile and, and uh, mom and dad have their own profiles and she hooked up their Google Chromecast so they could watch it in the, on the 4k TV in the living room and stuff like that. And, um, uh, and just talking to people and it's, I mean, again, it's this weird kind of thing, right? Like the Disney stuff is we, we grew up with a lot of this stuff. We have nostalgic feelings to it. They've evolved since then to basically take over the entertainment industry. So there, there are a lot of cons and a lot of pros to Disney as they are today. Um, but it is just crazy. Just focusing on this product of these things that like we were throughout our whole lives of stuff that was in the vault or Disney movies, never going on sale or, uh, uh, they'd be 35 plus dollars for a DVD or a Blu-ray and, and you'd have to do that. And to have all of this at your fingertips for $8 Canadian a month, right? Or eight ninety nine or eight ninety nine, eight ninety nine a month. Or if you subscribe for the year, it's a little bit cheaper. It's like eighty nine ninety nine. Yeah. Um, and having basically every Disney movie ever for well, the most part except for the super racist one <laughs> yeah song of the south yeah uh even the ones but i applaud them for even having the original cuts of some movies that have some dated um you mean like dumbo yeah but yeah. i mean like at least they they were like hey this happened but they, wasn't in... there one that they did edit there was some i think there was somebody talking about it online i'd have to I... go and look but i mean there's the star wars mcclunky maybe that's just <laughs> right anyways but well that now um, that's offensive to like irish people sure uh i'm just amazed at like the breadth of content that is on there um how much of it is in 4k and dolby vision and dolby atmos for or no even just in hd premium. yeah well right? i'm mean, hd is one thing everything's in hd it looks like right and, but um, i mean just like like even the stuff that like doesn't really need to be yeah is in hd and some of it that doesn't need to be is in 4k and i'm just yeah. like having all of this stuff in 4k dolby vision dolby atmos for like all of the pixar stuff most of the disney animated stuff like some stuff that's not even out on 4k disc is just available for this nine dollars a month canadian or, or yeah. seven or eight i remember bill chambers though like, said something interesting about that where like i and i agree with him when it comes to the physical media thing he was saying that how good uh, who framed Roger Rabbit looked in 4K. Yeah. But he rather have the disc because he feels like he's just leasing the movie and sure. not actually doesn't own it. Yeah, but I mean that's that's the life we live in right, right now. Or is, or is it? it like uh yeah. We'll be talking about uh, that with with criteria. Yeah. Yeah. So um and maybe Disney will move towards a, a thing like that. So it'll be interesting to see how they evolve from that. But I think it was a very successful launch. I've watched uh, – I talked about – I've been making my way through the Star Wars movies, and those are all available in 4K, like I mentioned. And 
Uh, I've just kind of put on different things to see what they look like. I put on and I can't wait to kind of go back and revisit a lot of Disney movies that like um, I haven't watched in ages just because I never wanted to buy them like and you couldn't really rent them anymore and stuff like that. So um, even like what? what the, is there anything in, in particular? You know what? I want to go back and watch some of the ones that I don't remember all that much. Like I've watched Aladdin and, and Lion King and Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast like countless times. But I would actually like to go back for some of the late 90s stuff that I don't remember all that much. Like um, Hunchback of Notre Dame or uh, – Oh, you mean Adam uh, Driver. Uh, yeah. Um, that, so Lilo, that, that Twitter account had to change and, its name. Oh, it did because right? they got a cease and desist. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> which is funny, really funny. Um, it got like thirty thousand like followers in the first. Well, it's, like, a, it's a good. It's, it's really a good funny. Uh, but yeah, Disney, the fake Disney Plus Twitter account, which is what we're referencing, which made horrible, like really <laughs> funny off-color jokes about like all these Disney Plus stuff. Um, had to change it to like Disney Prime or whatever yeah. because they have to like be more clear that it's a parody account and not. It looked like it was just coming right. from Disney Plus. Um, but anyways, I, I'm just uh, the value for your money on this. I think is is crazy, and uh, I can't. I want to go back and watch like Emperor's New Groove and Hercules and Lilo and Stitch and like some of the ones that. Oliver are, and Company. Yeah, and even some of the older stuff too where I looked at that old Robin Hood Fox movie or, or Great Mouse Detective and like some of these ones, even the really old like Snow White and, and, and stuff, Fantasia, I want to smoke a joint now that it's legal in Canada and, and watch Fantasia. Um, they don't have Condor Man on there though, which no. disappoints The Ro- me. Uh, Rocketeer, which I've never seen. Rocketeer's wanna, great. Yeah, I want to go watch. They have all the like cheesy Disney sports movies, so I want to watch Mighty Ducks and Cool Runnings and miracle and like um and shit like that like i love kurt russell and miracle even though it's like i hate uh the american hockey team right. but i mean it's, what about it's remember the like, tits uh, yeah God. <laughs> um so anyways i i don't know i'm really like uh i'm pleasantly surprised with how much of it's in 4k i think is my biggest takeaway of right. like wow, this is like a lot, all the Pixar stuff, like I want to watch Wally in 4K and like I know all this shit is coming out on on uh, 4K disc and stuff, but this was like, you know, we're on two sides of the coin here where I've... Well, in- also it just wasn't available until now because like yeah. a lot of the stuff, the, the 4K stuff Disney-wise is only available on, on disc, physical yeah. media, right? And you so- know me who who's kind of, I've given into our digital overlords where I've right. like, for the most part, haven't really purchased many Blu-rays other than like the Disney stuff. That's sent to you with the sent to us, French yeah. And now I might not, cover. we might not need to do that anymore because I'm like, you know what? I'm fine with having Disney Plus. Like I've I don't need to collect Blu-rays anymore. And I know that's you and Mike, uh that's blasphemy, but like and many other people, but to me I'm like, you know what? I think the quality is there now on some of these streaming services, not Crave, but the rest of them. Right. Um and I I you know what? I, I with Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos, 4K, I'm like I I don't really need these discs anymore for most of the movies that I um, that I want to own or lease from these streaming services, right? So, right. But I'm going to sound um, like a doomsday prepper here. Yeah. Say tomorrow, all those streaming services are gone. Yeah, sure. What happens then? Uh, yeah, but I mean, 
that's like anything though like it's just our whole lives are on the internet if you just said the internet shuts down no no like, i'm not saying the internet i'm just yeah, saying like you know like say like oh for whatever reason like and eh, we don't feel like doing streaming services anymore we're just gonna shut them shut them down but then they'll go back to selling their movies so i mean yeah so no love lost i just have to go buy the ones that i really want to watch i wasn't watching a lot of this shit anyway but like i might now okay and like if they shutter a streaming service which never going to happen just to let you know no i know, I know. Um, so well you never know i mean like with not disney per se no but i could see yeah but like with there being competition now and with other studios following suit they'll I, all end up somewhere in these movies but. right but i do feel that you're going to see maybe one or two of these oh 100 streaming like, wars have begun man someone's apple die. tv plus how long is that gonna last Apple has enough money to ride it out, but I think they will struggle to find success with it. Like I just because they're just burning money. Like that's. Yeah. I mean, I know you like the. I know you Nevis like Dickinson. But, but have I like, gone back to watch episode two? Yeah. No. no. Yeah. So like, oh. is is that going to just be something where you know the executives there and the people that are running the the streaming service are just going to like have to eventually swallow their pride and be like. You know this. This didn't work for us. This is, was an experiment that just didn't come together, and there's no way we can compete with this. Yeah. You know, like and I, I mean, feel, I worked for a failed streaming yeah. service, right? So I, I understand. It happens, but, and it and it will happen. So who will be when you have the war between Apple, Netflix, Disney, Amazon? Uh, HBO slash Warner Brothers, NBC's about to launch, and even Peacock. the niche stuff too. Um, like you have all these smaller. Companies. I think those are more safe than, than they are. But I mean, they're still they're still hoping to get a a certain amount of people. And if you have, you know, like the Criterion's and the Shutters and things like that, where you know they want this one specific group, but that group is also going to have to divide their resources up for things like netflix and disney plus as well because you know that's part of the the idea is that like you want to have a little bit of everything like it still hurts them like to a certain degree like yeah like not everybody that that will subscribe to criterion channel will go to disney and vice versa but i feel like even the smaller ones will be like you know trying to just grab the crumbs that are left which is what they i mean we've already saw filmstruck come and go right right and then i think with filmstruck though there was there was this idea that it wasn't fully thought out at that point where with criterion like it does feel like they know what it is yeah they took what didn't work with filmstruck and really kind of laid out a a foundation that works yeah and a rotation that works yeah i mean even me, I have to like second guess now, like which ones I want to subscribe to, right? Because it, it right. does get expensive. So, but anyways, your quick thoughts on? I know you've maybe only watched Mandalorian and some gargoyles, or oh yeah, or, yeah. Um, <laughs> the only things I need. But have you liked the the yeah, service I mean, so there's, far? Like, there's there's a ton to to look at and and watch, and and I like the interface of it, and 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 I think what I will hopefully be interested. In watching a little bit more of as well as going through some of the National Geographic stuff yeah. um, just to kind of 
see what's available because there's a lot of really wonderful docs that don't unfortunately get proper releases. physical media releases uh, some of them do get dvds but they're they don't do those movies justice so something mm-hmm. like you know jane um the the jane goodall uh documentary like is is on there and and that's a stunning looking movie but when you compress it into a dvd it just takes away a little bit from it so free solo is another one in yeah four, so it's like when you watch HDR. those movies in 4k because they're not available on blu-ray or 4k uhd physical media yeah. like you're you're actually getting the best quality version and that's again something i would prefer to buy a copy of it but i mean if, if you're it's not there, gonna get there, that yeah. yeah and especially with documentaries because they're usually treated horribly when you know, post theatrical release, even if they get a theatrical release. So it's nice that some of those movies will have a home and more people will maybe, you know, take a chance on something there. Yeah, totally agree, man. So yeah, I'm I'm really digging it. Um disappointed a cure oh, for wellness isn't on there either. Like yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, come on. Um it'll be interesting to see how it evolves and if they end up adding more Fox films because right now you have a few of them with uh, they the, will. I think, the I think Home what, Alone films and Avatars on there. Yeah, which and, is the and, family favorite yeah. stuff, right? Where like I think they'll probably like eventually have a 20th Century Fox section like they do yeah, with Marvel. Yeah, and even or, like, like a Fox Searchlight section. Yeah, I think eventually you will get that and then that's when they'll bump up the price probably too oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So, um, and, and just I mean, they'll it. just become Netflix where they don't really tell you it's happening, but you know, it, it will happen and you'll see it in your next, you you know, your monthly bill where it's like, oh, it was originally eight ninety nine. Now I'm paying twelve ninety nine. Oh, they'll slowly and steadily raise it. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's how you keep people on board. But um, yeah, I could see it. I know it's supposed to be very family friendly right now, but I feel like you can age gate a lot of that stuff. And I feel like you probably could put the, the Fox stuff because even like Mandalorian is is kind of dark like right. at, at times like Disney after dark. Um, well, that's what I mean like and I I'm surprised to see when these Marvel movies like no it's all in that PG-13 kind of territory but like they they go into some places where I'm like is no better nor worse. Maybe not a cure for wellness dark but like right. some of the other stuff um the R-rated stuff that Fox has like I I can still see it eventually making its way over i guess just because it has that disney branding being called disney plus um they want that to still be a very family friendly brand right um but um i don't know we'll see but i'm i'm digging it i can't wait to see where it goes i'm really impressed by the streaming quality and how much is available in that high quality format and uh uh, I'll be messing around watching some old childhood favorites and things that I don't quite remember, as well as watching some of these originals. So, like dumps and um, checks in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that on there? No, uh, I don't know. Airbud on there? Good um, question. I think Mill Creek actually released that on Blu-ray recently. Sweet. Okay, moving on. Ah, man, this is gonna be another long episode. <laughs> when are they not, Matt? Uh, let's move into our uh, talk and trailer section. Um, where I want to go over again, continuing on our uh, does Disney own this podcast now? No, they don't. But um, are we going to keep talking about Disney stuff? Yes, we are. <laughs> and if they do, they should be paying us. Yeah, those uh, sweet Disney royalties. Uh, 
Eric and I went to a uh, Disney preview event this past week, which is uh, an event that the Canadian press office of Walt Disney Pictures puts on uh, every fall slash winter uh where uh right before the holidays right before the holidays it's kind of their end of the year thing they screen their biggest uh you know their uh, second to last movie movie which is usually an animated film exactly or last year was mary poppins and uh returns and yeah and it just depends their last family kind of either animated or live action movie that's coming that's not star wars or marvel (laughs) um so I think we talked about on this podcast last year, but they didn't really show us anything last year. No, because um, they were in transition with that merger, right? So they kind of didn't know how things were going to land, right? Yeah. But now a year has passed. The merger went through. They've established Disney+. Plus. They own you know, Fox, Fox and Fox, and Fox Searchlight. Searchlight. So now they have this larger catalog and – also with all the Marvel movies and all the the Star Wars stuff like and with that as well like they weren't sure what was going on with you know post Rise of Skywalker yeah. right like were they going to go right into another franchise or were they going to leave it so yeah a lot of it was kind of a question up mark. in the air so we yeah. didn't really see anything last year other than some trailers that were already out <laughs> And some headshots, right? Right. So every year they do this slideshow presentation. Uh, we saw Sizzle Reel to open it up. Which was um, a very strange It's so weird, reels. dude. Now that you have Searchlight and Fox in there, it's so weird. And Blue Sky Studios. It's so weird from going from Spies in Disguise to Horns. Or not to Horns. Not Horns. What's it called? I keep saying Antlers. Horns. Antlers. To a Hidden uh, Life. To a Hidden Life. To... Kingsman to Star Wars to uh, Frozen 2 to like it's just right. it was just bizarre we saw some footage from uh, from Freeman and like in this sizzle reel that like stuff we haven't seen anything from Call of the Wild um, Call like, of the Wild yeah. like yeah all this stuff that was just so weird to see back to back with each other and I kept turning towards you and laughing because I was like a hidden life showing up and then showing like something else is just <laughs> Disney's wow. a hidden life it's so weird so then it kicks it off and the, and the Disney team kind of puts on this presentation where they show all of their different studios on the screen which looks crazy seeing all these fucking Lucasfilm Marvel Studios 20th Century Fox animated studios and it's Pixar. so scripted um, like, oh it's it is yeah how- um I mean, oh. good for them. They put on like they like, they're very professional when right. they do it. But, but it Peter is... makes me laugh. Oh, Peter's great. Peter... Especially even like he knows what, like when yeah. he's reading it. Like... Peter Patino uh, is the he used to be the head of PR for 20th Century Fox here in in Canada, and and now he's the head of Fox and and Disney uh, PR. Um, and he's great. <laughs> he's like really dry. Right. <laughs> just like <laughs> he like came great. up to me when yeah. when I when I was having when I grabbed some food and was was having a yeah. drink, and he's like, "Hey, how you doing? Doing good?" <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's he's a, he's a good dude. Yeah. So um, they kind of poked fun at him. Uh, showed a, a headshot of him that looking like he was in Backstreet Boys or NSYNC, and he wore they gave him Mickey Mouse ears and stuff, and it was cute but, but even the way like um, he was reading like yeah. the synopsis for like yeah. jungle cruise so and each stuff like yeah that. each uh member of their pr team came up and and did their little kind of spiel on their couple movies so um it was funny they were reading obviously from the the synopsis that yeah. they are they are given um yeah because clearly um, they're not going to read oh by the way uh mulan has gone through some serious reshoots <laughs> yeah so i mean we can just kind of quickly kind of go over some of the stuff that we saw and um 
uh, I tweeted out some of the footage that uh, that we were. We're only embargoed on one thing, which is very weird. Right. <laughs> like, I'm like, why out of everything, that weird <laughs> thing we saw was embargoed? Everything else isn't. I couldn't but, like, stop laughing at it, Yeah, <laughs> I know. And so, I mean, I th- actually, no, because it's embargoed on the 20th. So, yeah. uh, who cares? We just don't even need to talk about it. But, no. um, but it, it was, makes me laugh. Why out of everything was that embargoed? Like, not the other stuff that it's way further out, but that thing was embargoed. Anyways, but we're allowed to talk about anything else that we saw. So, um, uh, we, they kicked it off with something that we can't talk about, and then they went into some 20th Century Fox stuff. So we saw behind the scenes sizzle reel kind of thing for the Kingsman. Yeah, uh, with some new which, footage. Yeah, and, and which has now been moved. So this was oh, supposed really? to come out in February of of 2020 but i think they've moved it to september did they yeah because oh, wow. also, I didn't well, know also that. in that reel was you that saw recently that, yeah because in the reel you saw that it said 2020 yeah but it didn't have a date and it supposedly it was supposed to be a february release, it was yeah and now it's been moved to september oh wow didn't know that dang uh, well, okay. Um, the last Kingsman movie was around September, late September. Yeah, October, the first right? one was February, yeah. and it was the most successful. And then the September release was... I guess they were kind of thinking like it was a similar thing, or they were hoping it would be a similar thing, where like, you know, September and the beginning of the year are usually kind of the dumping ground months. Yeah. Um, but they always did well in those months, because they were like the... I don't know. I, I, I'm, I like the King... I like the Kingsman movies to an extent. Um, we've talked about it, I think, at length on these shows. I think the first one is still uh, a really, really solid movie, even with some of the ickiness of Mark Millar still yeah. permeating throughout this franchise. And then franchise. it goes full Millar in Then it goes, two. yeah. And some of the uh, the more Millar moments in the second one aren't great, but... Um, I actually quite enjoyed this sizzle reel, and September I September like... 18th, 2020. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, maybe... Uh, Anyways, uh, we'll talk about that later. So it makes but... me wonder, though, if this is – because this was something that went into production before the merger. Do you think that maybe they moved it as well to just kind of like possibly sterilize the film if there's anything in it? Does Disney might... have anything else in February that – Well, they have Underwater in January. Right. I'm sure they have something in February. It might have been just to better spread out their movies, or it could have been like, hey, we need to kind of take a look at this and make sure it's we're okay with everything. Right, because there's a scene um, in Kingsman 2 where which it's they like... would not let fly. Like, I think they'll let them be R-rated and, and have fun, but um, I hope some of that ickiness... I actually hope the Disney merger benefits the Kingsman franchise to be like, okay, you guys can have fun with this, but like... You don't need this icky garbage that like is in there because I think that really kind of brings it down because I love the style. I love Matthew Vaughn. I um, I kind of like how slick and kind of, you know, out there it is. And I know like I, I just uh, this alternative spy kind of franchise I kind of bought into and I really kind of dug that first movie. Um and then I like elements of the second movie. So bringing it back to uh, World War One, correct? Yeah. And um, and a completely new cast and things like that. Like I'm actually kind of excited for this again, which I thought after Kingsman 2, I was kind of, you know, I, I could well, have taken a break from this. And it's also interesting because it's a prequel, but there's, there's still plans to do a third yeah. in the sort of original trilogy. Yeah. 
with Vaughn. So it's like Vaughn's just full in to fucking yeah. Kingsman. Now. Well, also, it just uh, full on in on Mark Millar for yeah, the most part. Yeah, true. So I don't know. I like the sizzle reel. I like the setting. I think the characters that they're setting up with Rasputin and, and like, raw, uh, raw, I hope Rasputin. he uses that. Yeah. I hope he uses that. You know that. they like, will. They yeah, have to. They have to. Like, that's a missed opportunity yeah. if you don't use and that. Gemma Alterson. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Ray Fiennes. And, and I, I'm really, I was really digging the behind the scenes stuff that they were showing from here. And, yeah, I mean, it um, kind of has a little bit of like um, a steampunk kind of vibe with sure, some yeah. of it as well. And it'll be interesting to see like, I have this weird feeling that they'll have like this reveal where like the guy Harrison uh, Dixon who was in Beach Rats will be like Colin Firth or something like that, or there'll be some sort of reveal at the end oh, where like they'll so, connect yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure it'll connect somehow, but um... because then there's also the question of like how does how does this organization turn bad? Because that's like the whole thing or the big reveal at the beginning of or. Yeah, no, the reveal in the first movie, right? Like the 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 men that are in charge of it, like the Michael Caine character, um, are corrupt. Yeah, maybe they'll touch on that stuff too. Um, but I, I I dug the the Kingsman stuff, but it was just weird to see a Disney presentation kick off with something like that. Yeah, um, I'm trying to bring up the list of stuff uh, which I had tweeted out. Sorry, guys, give me two. Do you want me just to drop a name and we can keep going? I got it. So um, I want to talk about – actually, I mean Black Widow I think is the probably the biggest high-profile stuff that right. isn't out yet. So I think we should touch on that. So yes. um, Marvel Studios, they, t- they didn't talk about Eternals at all. No, because um, I think they're still – in early yeah. production. But I thought that we filming. would have gotten those headshots that we usually get no, in they're these gonna, things. They're going to – um, They'll save those for next year. I I have a feeling that that could be next year's um, November movie because it right. comes out in November. Right? Oh yeah, for so, this thing next year. Yeah, yeah probably actually. Yeah. Uh, so we saw the first. It looked like it might be an extended trailer, but we saw the first trailer for Black Widow. It looks like. Yeah. Like, I don't know if this will be the exact trailer that probably drops later this year. Probably with Star Wars. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um. But uh, it's the one you guys, if you've done, if you've heard about the, you know, uh, D23 or the Comic-Con presentation, I think it's the same one. But it opens up with a uh, um, extended fight scene between um, Black Widow and uh, her sister. What's Florence Pugh's character's name? I forget. Uh, Is it um, uh, Yaline or yeah. Yelena or something? Yeah. Some, I think something like that. But um, Black Widow 2.0? Yes, it looks like. So uh, really, it, it's it's giving me a lot of Bourne vibes, like Jason Bourne vibes. Bourne, John and, Wick, yeah. uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah. The cinematographer is Rob Hardy, who also shot the last Fall Mission out, Impossible yeah. movie and also uh, Alex Garland's films. Yeah. So. Um, I... I didn't think I would care about a Black Widow movie at all, but like... I I was really into this and like again those are uh, those are action movies I all really really enjoy and if they're taking that kind of style and, and I don't know how this is going to tie in and will it feel more Ant-Man or will it feel more Spider-Man Well it doesn't feel like, like it, it, I think what um, they're trying to do I mean it's also directed by Kate I don't Short. mean from tone I just mean importance or anything Oh oh then um, yeah well importance I think it'll be I think it's going to be more of a footnote than anything yeah. else for Black Widow specifically because this movie probably should have been made in phase two. Yeah. 
and, and it's probably to introduce Florence Pugh as kind of yeah, the black and it's widow, so right? strange that the first you know solo female superhero film for the Marvel universe was was Captain Marvel, where you know Black Widow had been a part of it for so long. Yeah, but what I also kind of dig about that this trailer is it feels like a little bit like Iron Man 3 where it kind of abandons a lot of the superhero elements like yeah. it, it's still it's there a little bit movie. with like yeah. David Harbour looking like, like the Russian, Russian Captain, Captain America. America yeah but it also feels like okay like we're leaving that behind for a minute to go back to the a real spy world movie, right yeah. and see a spy movie within the, the confines yeah. of the MCU, and and I know that a lot of people would say like you know Winter Soldier did that, but Winter Soldier still very much had fantastical movie, elements yeah. throughout, right? Where this does look like you know Scarlett Johansson's Natasha Romanoff stepped off, you know, a Marvel movie and into a Mission Impossible film, and I I really dug it. Yeah, so we saw her interact with her sister, played by Florence Pugh. We see her like you mentioned, David Harbor playing. Uh, I forget what the character's name is. Come Red. on, really? Uh, Stranger Things? Alexi? Oh, yeah, Alexi. Yeah, he is playing. But I mean... The, He's not yeah. drinking any... Uh... What his superhero persona was called. Oh, right. Yeah, like it's a like Red, Red something. Baron or something like Yeah, but like it's that. basically yeah. a Red Captain America suit. Yeah. And he's got this giant beard. And dirty and, teeth. Yeah, and dirty teeth. And uh, He's not drinking a slushy though. Super into that. Uh, love, you know, you, if it's a spy movie, you got to have some snowy landscape and some and some cool shit like that. Um, the, it looks like the villain is Taskmaster, um, <laughs> who... He's uh, going to take you to task. Uh, a Taskmaster? is kind of cool he he imitates fighting he. styles from or she i yeah. i think it's rachel vice, vice right yeah, yeah, yeah that's my uh so rachel vice is in the film as well she looks like she was uh black widow's mentor i think while she was right. at that like it's um, odd though that julie delpy's uh not a part of it because she had a cameo yeah. in, Do you in think age she of Ultron. might be in this i don't know but it hasn't been mentioned said, yet yeah. anyways um so I, I I really dug this, like you said, like it, it does feel like it. You ripped her out of one thing and put her in, but it still feels within that universe. Yeah. And like, and it's interesting. It's like now spy movies are automatically shot in Budapest because yeah. Red Sparrow with Jennifer Lawrence sure, was yeah. also shot in Budapest, and it kind of had like that similar vibe of like the ballerinas being trained to become the beginning of ghost protocols in Budapest. Too. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, just a hub of <laughs> Budapest <laughs> is the spy, yeah, spy hub. central. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I really dug this and it got me kind of excited for it. So I, uh, it looks really slick and, and, uh, if it's anything like a mission impossible or born movie, I'm totally in. Yeah. So. And, and, and to go back to what you're saying with like, you know, how does this fit into the Marvel, uh, frame it is interesting that this is really technically i guess officially kicking off phase four yeah so will it have anything in there that kind of again but i think we're gonna get more you know what i think it is i think it's gonna i think the thing that's going to like that will what it'll take down the line is florence Pugh. yeah i agree completely so i'm thought it looked really really cool It, it was like when we saw the black panther footage two years ago or three years ago yeah um where it kind of caught me off guard and i was like oh fuck that was really awesome yeah and like because i didn't know what to expect from black panther i mean obviously we loved ryan coogler's direction in in both fruitvale and and creed creed um but i wasn't sure what to expect from black panther and that sequence they showed us and and you asked the question can um, you take me higher yeah and he did um so really really dug the black widow footage um also, we saw some stuff from Soul, 
which was just basically like kind of an, a little extended version of the trailer that you guys have seen, as well as uh, Pete Doctor coming on and kind of explaining the concept of the movie, which, which I, I actually was, liked. He's I like it was funny. very cool. Like yeah. I actually think they should release that online. Like I thought he he did a really good job of explaining kind of in layman's terms what this deep kind of you know uh existential movie is going to be uh, and kind of poked fun that it's a, a children's cartoon but it has all these deep themes and then we saw like a quick scene um which is kind of just uh, another extended thing from uh uh what you guys saw in the trailer um we saw uh two longer clips from onward um, which is the Disney Pixar movie coming early next year with Chris Pratt and Tom Holland. Um, or Two and a Half Men. Yeah. Um, about the, uh, It's like a kind of fantasy world that's both mixed. Think of like, you know, if elves and, and wizards and shit lived. It kind of is like, like Harry mo- Potter, right? Yeah. But if you it's like to- a modern America, but mixed with fantasy elements, right? So the, they have cell phones, but they're elves or whatever yeah. the fuck that they are fairies and shit are running around and uh, old technology which is magic and yeah. new technology yeah. which is just tech and their father who passed chris pratt and tom holland play brothers and and their father who passed away when they were younger um they find his wizard staff which i thought was funny <laughs> when they're like uh when they talk they there's one line of dialogue that <laughs> was really funny like careful there yeah i know that's there was one line of dialogue where i'm like that sounds really not good but well let's run with it so um they bring their they try to bring their dad back to life for one day with this wizard staff and they only get half of his body so it's just his lower torso and like blue um, an aura shining yeah. out of his pants yeah and it i it actually was funnier than i i, I should never doubt pixar but like but when um, you think of dan scanlon like i mean he he directed monsters university and that was kind of yeah very minor pixar and like it yeah. feels like that could have been something that could have been a tv show on disney plus which they are making a, a tv show yeah. yeah um but i don't know i dug the like weekend at bernie's kind of thing or I don't know if that's the best way of talking about it, but like they had to put clothes on him and, and it's just kind of right. It's, it's funny. Like there were some hearty laughs I had with the couple scenes that they showed with, uh, but more so from like, the, I mean, it's very, it's the, ridiculous. The background <laughs> stuff made me laugh more than the actual jokes that they were making, whether, you know, when he gets turned small and, and, and things like that. But um, I don't know. I laughed at more. So like the dad wearing, like just kind of slumping around being like a fake, half body kind of yeah. thing more so than well again like um, weekend at bernie's yes like exactly yeah. onward uh, at bernie's yeah uh what else did we saw uh you mentioned mulan so yeah. we saw an extended did we saw sizzle reel and then a clip right yes from mulan um with the dad from the farewell yes uh still don't know what to think of this the clip was weird that they showed like <laughs> that clip just like okay you just I, I don't know. Well, why. it's to show that she, that the family that she is with, because they they're being drafted to go to war, that one male from each family has he only to has daughters. Yeah, yeah, and so he has to, and he's I mean of a certain age and probably wouldn't shouldn't fare be yeah. well. God damn it! Uh, <laughs> in 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 the army. Um, and then we saw a sizzle reel, and it yeah. looks actually the scope looks very large, and it doesn't look like it's. I'll appreciate – I appreciate that they're not going the cartoony shot-for-shot remake 
of Mulan kind of thing. Like it does look like we might get something sort of different and not just right. the exact same movie. And it looks like they're going for something slightly more serious. But it does make um, me wonder because like again, reshoots are very common with any production. But apparently they they're quite extensive and like they're having to reshoot a, a huge portion of the film. Interesting. So it makes me wonder if we're going to get like a Rogue One situation out right. of this. Yeah. And like what changes are they going to try to actually make it more cartoony now that they've like looked at it and it's like, oh, maybe this is true, too dry or them trying to do like a historical drama that won't this isn't very fun. Yeah. This is, yeah, too serious yeah. almost. Yeah. I don't know. I, the vibe I got was it, it didn't really feel like a kid's movie. Um, no, and it felt like it was kind of like maybe a bit of a half-hearted, like, actual historical drama, too. Yeah. Like, like I can see critics being like, well, you know, this is Disney trying to, you know, basically use cultural appropriation and exoticize what actually happened at sure. that time period and, yeah. and stuff like that. And we didn't really get to see, like... You know, Jet Li is the emperor either, no, which was interesting. They didn't show any of that. Yeah. No, Gong Li um, though is the witch, which was cool. Yeah, um, we saw some stuff from Jungle Cruise. Uh, so we saw the Rock. I think the kinda... thing that made me laugh the most was Paul Giamatti. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, so saw an extended look at Jungle Cruise. Uh, showed how they're implementing some of the the corniness of the the disney ride and it being one of the oldest disneyland rides and uh although i did like the rocks um, intro of of the actual ride or like yeah. the history of it yeah. hi i'm the yeah i'm Dwayne johnson just looking so <laughs> jacked and it doesn't like i'm like all right um i don't know what to think of this i don't know like it, it looks i'm hoping fun, that it's but... gonna be um a lone ranger situation yeah. where it is weirder than what's actually being presented well, because, because of... Paul Giamatti was talking, I think he was doing like press rounds for billions or something like that. And he was saying that it is a really odd movie. Okay. And with the director, which I never knew how to pronounce his name until they did <laughs> during this thing. Well, I think who's... it's, it's Jean Colette Sarah. Yeah. But the way that they pronounced it, was that not, they said something completely different. Yeah. Was that, I don't know. It was I, like homemade. Go... Like, no, <laughs> it was I'm just... going to go with, with the pronunciation. Okay. That I watched when I saw an okay. interviewer talk to him. Okay. Drew a QA. Yeah. All so right. yeah. Um, Jean Colette Sarah. Okay, that's what I thought. So I was yeah. like, wait. The director that... of hit uh, Liam Neeson yeah. movies such as uh, um, Nonstop, Unknown, and Run All Night, mm-hmm. and more recently The Shallows. Uh and he's also doing Black Adam, isn't he? Uh, yeah, I think he's yeah. teaming up with The Rock again, right? Yeah. Um, I like so. Jean Colette Sarah. He also so, did. He so also did, I, yeah. um, which isn't a bad movie. Like it's kind of it's goofy still, but like his remake of House of Wax is actually kind of fun. I actually agree with that too. Yeah, I think he he's kind of a like a film Twitter darling <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Like he's like the one like, guy in like the studio system that people like. Yeah, he's um, good though. I I think he he's a solid kind of journeyman director. Yeah, um, and he is kind of weird. Like like nonstop is a weird movie. hundred like when you see Liam Neeson like stirring his tea with a toothbrush or coffee with a toothbrush, it's like. <clears throat> That's interesting. Yep. Um, was there anything else we saw that you wanted to? I think that was the biggest. That stuff, was that right? was pretty much it. But it was interesting seeing um, the timeline that they put up yeah. because there really wasn't any mention of Avatar. 
No. Yeah. Um, there was a couple things that I didn't really even know much about. Is One, Avatar next year? I thought it was. Uh, or no, they bumped it. Or they bumped year, it. But right? you think that there there would be something, right? Just like, hi, I'm James Cameron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what am I doing in the Bill? I'm Pinkston working. Voice? Yeah. I'm working very hard on the new Avatar movies. Here's us doing some underwater shit. Do you like Sam Worthington? No, you don't. But he's still in here. <laughs> but you're getting him anyways. <laughs> um but there was a couple things like uh there was a movie called the empty man which was like what is that and then i looked it up and it's it's like a graphic novel adaptation with james badge dale that's supposedly like a horror movie as well from fox or disney fox okay yeah so stuff like that i was kind of like oh and then right after that they did a big dump of release dates and there's like remember when we were like when are we going to get those years where there's four Marvel movies well and and also I think was was New Mutants on that timeline it was yeah okay so New Mutants is still coming out guys Artemis Fowl and New Mutants are like still getting theatrical releases (sighs) are they though (laughs) (laughs) I I mean they're still saying they are but uh, I don't know we'll see Um, Artemis Fowl just to me is like they didn't show us anything from it um artemis fowl is set up to be destroyed by critics just in the title like you know the puns are going to be like you know artemis fowl runs a foul or like you know or artemis fowl but f-o-u-l yeah yeah um yeah so i don't know but yeah it was a fun presentation we actually saw a good chunk of of stuff um, which I always um, love and and uh, yeah, and it's just kind of nice to know like it's it's basically just like a preview for next year specifically, and it, it kind of gets you ready for the coming months. Mm-hmm. Like you, you you get an idea of like okay, this is going to be you know Disney's library or or or, or you know schedule for the next twelve thirteen months, and yeah. and with that like there's some interesting stuff like even underwater i'm kind of curious about mm-hmm. um it looks good i mean i have a soft spot for underwater horror movies but yeah not in kristen stewart man yeah for uh all right let's fly through these trailers i don't think we need to talk really in detail about them <laughs> <laughs> uh we should touch on they re-released the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer or the second trailer, right. but with the new and improved glow up of Sonic the Hedgehog, um, it was pretty He's less sexy guys. <laughs> pretty, pretty similar, less human teeth. Um, uh, pretty similar trailer to the first one, but we get a good look at this newly animated uh, Sonic, and I, it's a huge improvement. Who know the movie is still the movie, but. Um, I will give them credit for uh, changing it and making him look. No, I think they're cowards. Uh, just released. I want the the horrifying cut. Yeah, well, because them. like there, it sets a dangerous new president for the studios giving into everything that the fans want. Like we joke about you know release the Snyder cut. Yeah, but like I feel like we're getting to a place now where like everything is going to be like survey based but you're making online. it for an audience too, i know right? but at the especially same time, sonic the hedgehog like, you know it's what? not we an art house movie you're gonna fucking take it and watch this movie the way it is and i don't <sighs> i just don't think like art should be 
you know, processed through committee. Like, I think, like, well, I, I mean, I call it art. Yeah, that's Sonic what I mean. the Hedgehog. But, like, so, I, mean, certain, like, I, I agree with you to a certain extent, but not on Sonic the Hedgehog. I can't. I just, and if you look at those two fucking pictures back to oh, back, I, I'm don't like, get me wrong. I still think I'm that, like, that how Sonic, did that other one I, even get I that far? I still think that Sonic is terrifying and is not arousing in any way. <laughs> but, but at the same time, it's like, you you make your bed now lie in it. This is the thing you've committed to. Like this is why I actually appreciate you know that cats is still coming out sure, the yeah. way it is. Like the 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 response that that thing has gotten online would probably be enough for Universal to say, hey, we need to you know Rethink do an this. overhaul on yeah. this thing. But I think maybe because there's just they've committed completely to it now. And like, there's just too much that they would probably cost another hundred million dollars. You have to reshoot the whole movie. Yeah. But I appreciate that. They're not going to delay it and try to tinker with it. They're just, okay, this is the movie we made. We committed to it. It's done. They went the very Broadway version with cats where they're like, we're going to have humanoid cats, right? Right. You could have gone the Aristocats way where you probably could have done a, well, you could still do the humanoid thing, but you could just have them in, in makeup. Sure. And yeah. in like actual fuzzy costumes, the would way that they be were... better though. Yes. You yes. Think so? Because it wouldn't look like it wouldn't look as jarring. Like it would just be people in suits. Like in in in. But then why not just go see the Broadway show then? Well, that's I mean that's the thing with any yeah. Broadway adaptation. Sure. A lot of these. I mean, some people don't plays, have access to go to no, it. So I know, I but a lot of these stage plays, when they're adapted to the big screen, it's just the still same fucking look thing. It's like, like a Disney remake. Uh, yeah, right? like, a stage play. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand that. But going back to Sonic the Hedgehog, like I, I don't know. I I was a huge. I don't know if you know this, Eric. I loved Sonic the Hedgehog when I was a kid. I did too. I, I was obsessed with the cartoon. I was obsessed with the comic books. Knuckles was my dude. If Knuckles shows up in this movie or Tails, I'll be jacked. Um, but – and I – I'm going to throw it out there. Movie looks kind of fun. I'm going to – I'll I had, say I it. had Sega Genesis like, as a kid. Our dad I think bought it Jim, for baseball and Sonic and Jim never Carrey used it. Jim Carrey going full 90s Jim Carrey in this, I appreciate and I welcome – and I think he's having a lot of fun. And I like that they gave in to the fans because I just feel like they should have made him look like that from the first place. <laughs> like, it just – it makes no sense to me why – how anyone thought that other version right. of him was okay. No, don't get me and wrong. I think this design is much better. Because he looks like Sonic Because he looks like Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like, well, you you A dangerous did this. precedent? Yeah. And, and, and again, like, it's something like – you know, Super Mario Brothers, the movie, was sure. released in the 90s. Like, this would have happened to that. Yeah. Right? Like, people would have complained and said, "Why? What why, the fuck is yeah, this? Why yeah. does King Koopa or, or Bowser look like Dennis Hopper with, with threads? <laughs> yeah. Why does Toad look like a lizard man? Yeah. You know, and, and, and like, again, like, lizard I man, don't yeah. think that things when they're done should be dictated by the fans. I think sure. that you should just release it and accept it as it is. You don't have to like it. You can say that they got it wrong. You can criticize it. That's fair. But I think when a studio gives into it, it just, it it's this idea of like, well, you know, you can modify and change everything the way that Lucas does. Yeah. Like sure. Lucas, like, but at least they're doing it beforehand. They're not like after the movie comes oh, out. Oh, but who knows? Yeah, who who knows? knows? There's, there's, 
probably someone will complain about something in the movie that's off, and they'll be know. like, well, for, for the home video release, we'll just, you know, digitally remove whatever. Sure. Oh, and wasn't the thing we were talking about uh, in Toy Story when they removed the kind of creepy thing with uh, Kelsey Grammer's prospector? Oh, yeah. Wasn't that what we were talking about? Yeah. We were saying what they edited out. But I think that like- was that was before Disney Plus. I think sure. that was on the latest yes, 4K. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was. But I remember they had Because it was like a out. funny outtake. But it was you. No. <laughs> Uh, anyways, Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> so, uh, the way back, Gavin O'Connor, uh, Ben Affleck, uh, basketball alcoholic drama. basketball movie, uh, whatever. <laughs> the, the movie is basically telegraphed in the trailer. Yeah, it it looks whatever. I don't really. Have I like much. the Bonnie Vare song though. Sure, and I'm sure the movie will it's be a cover. But, it it yeah. looks heavy handed, but I'm sure it'll be perfectly fine. Um, right. A lot of people liked Warrior, so and that was really heavy-handed. Uh, yeah, I remember liking it when it came out, but I've never watched it since. They're brothers! Oh, God. Yeah, that's the thing that we took from it. It's like, oh, my God, they're brothers! <laughs> What's Sting doing here? <laughs> uh, SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. They just keep pumping out SpongeBob movies. They're and, popular, man. And, stoners uh, and little kids stoners alike. Stoners and children, yeah. And uh, SpongeBob was never really my thing. I only wanted to watch this because people said Keanu Reeves is a tumbleweed. And I was like, all right, got to watch this trailer. Uh, sage. He's uh, a sage. Sure, yeah. Um, liked that moment. Don't really have anything to say. I'm not a big SpongeBob fan. I so. mean, I like Squidward and Plankton Same. quite a bit. Yeah, um, but... I, I again I, I mentioned this to you. This is kinda like a Ren and Stimpy for kids in well, a Ren lot and Stimpy of ways. It was supposed to be for kids. Well, Ren, but it's not. I mean, let's be honest. Ren and Stimpy, even though it was for kids, it's not and the I mean the creator of that show is really a creepazoid. But my parents, it's the only show they did not let me watch. Same. It was one of the few things where it's like you can watch, you know, pretty much anything but it was that and like power rangers because there was there's was fighting in i it. was allowed to watch power Rangers. Um, but i still watch power rangers yeah. i find my parents there but south park was the other one where i went to my friend's house on friday i watched that at my grandparents it. my my grandfather uh recorded that for us yeah. all the time he'd watch it with us and be like this is why i shouldn't be letting you watch this yeah. it was just like this is really weird yeah um but no with with spongebob spongebob and adventure time are like the two shows that i always or, or the daily is it the Daily Show, or the regular show? The regular show, the regular the Blue show. Jay like those, and the, yeah, yeah, like those are the shows you always hear about, like that are like kids shows, but a They're lot more of, like, so for adults or stoners. Yeah, yeah. the 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 watch. I mean, them. there's like Steven Universe. There's a couple other ones. People say yeah. Gravity Falls, which is on Disney Plus, is kind of like yeah, that as and well. and again, like with SpongeBob, the thing I like the most about that, the stuff that I've seen, I haven't seen a whole lot, but. Is the kind of like the gross close-ups of when like a character is like, like you know bloodshot eyes? Yeah, and, and like that, that reminds me the most of Ren yeah. and Stimpy. I totally agree. Um, I mean, Net- or Nickelodeon just did that big deal with Netflix, which I don't have on the news. Yeah, because um, they did. They I, I still haven't seen the Rocco's uh, Modern. Oh, I watched Life. it. It was uh, good. Is it like a TV movie or yeah, a short? Was sh- it's not feature length. It's yeah. like 40 minutes, I think, or something like that. But um, See, again, there's another show that was really in a, oh, yeah. inappropriate. Totally. I mean, even Hey Arnold had stuff in there that oh, they was kind of like... Oh, right? Like, because they're all adults on there, and they're like, well, let's throw some things in here that kids won't really get. But, right. Um, How far can we push this? Yeah. We'll stick in the animated realm. Uh, Scoob, the first trailer, uh, came out. Uh, looks super cute. Uh, I think this is a good way of kind of bringing back scooby-doo talking about um, stoners uh yeah shaggy is 100 percent a stoner <laughs> um and they even poke fun at that in the james gunn uh written 
uh, Scooby-Doo movies. Uh, God, I remember those? Yeah. Um, remember when they were thought about making the first one R-rated? <laughs> they never did. Uh, I would love to see that. That would have been wild. Uh, I think this. You looks... kind of did though in Jane and Silent Bob Strikes Back. For sure, yeah. Um, I think this looks super cute. I mean, they've been doing Scooby Doo animated movies like on you know Blu-ray for the longest time. They do crossovers with WWE and stuff like right. that, like The Undertaker. Yeah, Isn't there like one where like um, Batman teams? Up yeah, with them like they as have well? all of that stuff. So uh, this looks like your you know your more classic kind of animated CG. And it seems to be more focused like, on Scooby and Scooby Shaggy's, and Shaggy's relationship yeah. and how they get involved with uh, and whether or not it's sexual. Stop! <laughs> it's a children's movie. Um, I don't know. I thought this looked really cute. I don't. I don't really. It's have, fine. Yeah. I. 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 It's weird. Like Scooby Doo is one of those series where I did watch it, but it didn't have that kind of nostalgia. Yeah. Like, on yeah. Me. I agree. I. I remember. Is it H- Hanna Barbera? Yeah. Was yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Because yeah. I remember Scooby Doo being involved in like Canada's Wonderland and shit like that when we were there. And uh, wasn't like that haunted mansion ride Scooby Doo themed at like I think so uh, yeah. at Wonderland. Um, yeah, I I've ne- I liked Scooby Doo, but I never had like a huge attachment. To yeah, it. not the not the way that like with the Hanna Barbera stuff. I think the one I remember the most was the Flintstones. Yeah, Flintstones was my jam. Um, and was they did all also that like race uh Oh yeah, um, great motor car racing yeah, with where, the with a dog that kind of yeah, laughs like yeah. I, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, and the guy with the twirly mustache, yeah. right? That yeah. was good too. Uh, that was some good shit. So I don't know. Don't And it's weird cuz a lot of those shows only like lasted one season. Oh yeah. Um, I think Flintstones last. I mean, one season though was probably like sixty six episodes. Yeah, true. Uh, but like Snagglepuss and stuff like that. Right, right. Yogi Bear. Yeah, I, I liked all of it. Like I just, but again, I guess Jetsons. I guess that was like maybe the era right before us too. Right. Though like, I think the thing I liked the most though is that a lot of those characters ended up on uh, Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. Uh, did they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know like, that. Fred Flintstone's like actually a mafia boss. No, really? <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch it. It's Dude. it's amazing. Like it's it's three seasons and it's like Adult Swim, but like you, they brought on a lot of the Hanna Barbera characters, interesting, because they could license them out and like they had like the Jetsons come in and like Harvey Birdman really? would defend them and like um, Harvey Birdman. Um, Oh, is voiced by Gary Cole, character actor. He played um, Will Ferrell's dad in Talladega yeah, Nights, yeah, and he's yeah. the kind of like the boss in Office Space with yeah. the coffee mug all the time. And then Stephen Colbert voices the boss, the uh, the guy with the uh, the eye patch. Okay, I should really watch. You it. should. It's ridiculous. Is it on a streaming service or no? um? If if well, probably just on a network Swim and Adult Swim have yeah. it, then yeah, I, I would say so. And like, there, there's it's just, some really. <laughs> Yeah, stuff. I love Adult Swim, but I, it's good. Oh, I watched the first episode of season four of Rick and Morty. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, <laughs> so no, you. Um, I think you would like this. It, it's not like that kind of writing, but it is very dry and weird. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I like that one of the writers of uh, Rick and Morty is the showrunner on Loki. That's interesting. Uh, and then finally, uh, Fantasy Island <laughs> uh, was the last trailer, which Boss, is uh, the plane, uh, the yeah. plane, uh, a Blumhouse a horror. Uh, movie adaptation of Fantasy Island, uh, yeah, starring Michael Pena and uh, Maggie Q, uh, which I ha- who I haven't seen in a long ass time. I yeah, feel and like. uh, uh, um, Lucy Hale, who yeah. was in Jeff Wadlow, the director's last movie, Blumhouse's Truth or Dare. 
Yeah. Um, so anyways, I, I think I would have been interested in this movie. I thought it was interesting to take that TV show and turn it into this horror kind yeah, of movie. Yeah, because what, what um, Fantasy Island was for people that did not grow up in 1983 <laughs> was a series with Ricardo Montalban about people that would – it was episodic where people would come to this Fantasy Island and live their their desired fantasy but then also learn life lessons and and – and, you know, by the end of the episode, everybody had, you know, become a more rich, internalized individual and, and actually, you know, would go on to better themselves as people. This is playing with the idea of, like, you know, living out your fantasy or desires, but then turning it almost into, like, a hostile-esque situation where you have to, you know, no matter what, fulfill the fantasy Your that you have, and, fantasy, yeah, yeah, and 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 go through with it. Um, and I mean, I I never really loved the original series. I just think it was. I mean, I don't want to say it was before my time because I watch a lot of yeah shit that was not of my time. I mean, I'm a huge Miami Vice fan, but like it was there was something where like between Fantasy Island. And, like, a lot of, like, the Aaron Spelling stuff, like, it, Fantasy Island is an Aaron Spelling, but, like, like Hotel and stuff like that that was released around that same time where you had, or even Dynasty or, or things like that where you had, like, you know, the aristocratic upper class people going somewhere, doing something, and some of it was soap opera, melodramatic, and then other stuff like this was, like, weirdly, like, fantasy-based. It just... It never got it never got me, it never hooked me in, in any way. But like I, I don't mind them kind of playing with that in the way that like, you know, Land of the Lost kind of yeah, did a which complete one eighty. Like. <laughs> I I don't mind it either. It's not a it's not a masterwork or anything, but I appreciate that they weren't just making a straightforward adaptation. Cause I mean that show was ridiculous onto itself and like mm -hmm. at least they kind of embraced how stupid it was to make yeah. a Land of the Lost movie. Yeah. Um so yeah, but it's directed by Jeff Wadlow, and he which sucks, me. dude. He sucks. Yeah, straight up. Sorry, <laughs> but that dude sucks, man. Uh, all right, let's fly through this news. We got a lot, but we don't really need to spend a ton of time on stuff since we've gone over a shit ton already. Um, I mean, I I just mentioned the Loki series. So uh, the Disney Plus Loki series casts uh, yesterday actress Sophia Di Martino in an unknown role. Um, who was she in yesterday? She was one of the friends at the table when he recovers and he starts singing right yesterday. Okay, <laughs> cool. The titular yesterday. <laughs> uh, um, cool. I mean, no one knows what she's who she's playing in this. Um, again, I mentioned that um, Rick and Morty writer Michael Waldron um is the good showrunner. Name. Good name for yeah. for a show like that as well. Yeah, he, it sounds almost weirdly like shakespearean or medieval he's uh yeah he's the showrunner and writer and then kate heron who recently uh directed sex education and i think um the recent like teen post-apocalyptic netflix show uh, i forget what the hell oh it's the called. fucking end of the world or no 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 there's one where there's like different gangs and shit i forget what the hell it's called um uh it's not in this what I was forget. the guy's name again mike waldron yeah, Michael. You think he Waldron. has a cauldron? 
Michael Waldron's cauldron. <laughs> Do you think there'll be a cauldron in the Loki series? Oh, yeah. There has to be. Uh, cool. I don't know much about this actress. Like, again, she had a small role in yesterday, but uh, good for her. And Yeah, uh, but I mean, look at Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. I mean, when Tom Hiddleston, when he was cast as Loki, I mean, the biggest thing he had been... I mean, he had been in some Joanna Hogg movies, but yeah. at that point, I mean, the biggest thing that people maybe had seen him in if they were, you know, your parents... Uh, was the Wallander series with Kenneth Branagh. That's why Kenneth Branagh hired oh, right. him in the first okay. place. So y- you never know. Like, she could become a fan favorite in, you know, the role she's playing and have a similar career as Tom Hiddleston. Yep. You know, eventually get onto the Golden Globes and thank himself for being great. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> so awkward. Uh, here's one that uh, I think is one of the worst casting choices. I've I don't seen. like Tom Hiddleston. You don't? No. As an I, actor, or he's a really nice guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Um, I know, I know, I know you that doesn't make him right. Or you? No, you met I him? met him when I worked uh, for Tribute during TIFF 2013. Um, so this was six years ago now. But out of all of the people who came through the uh, the suite that we were at, um, I didn't do the interview with him. Bonnie Lawfer um, did, but he was the only one who was like super nice to everyone in the suite right a lot right. of people were like came in okay fucking sit down do your interview and then leave right like he came around and talked to each one of us and shook our hands and said so nice to meet you he came to the very back of the suite and just sat down with the the interns and and i were in the very back and he's just like oh how, how's your festival going and just talking with everyone and like and just hung out for a while and right I'm like i mean more so as an actor i mean that does sound very nice and like again, i'm not saying that that's an excuse to be like well, no no don't no criticize no, 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 no. Their but what i'm what i mean is like like i know a lot of people will say like oh you know loki's one of the best villains is a great performance but i find with him is that he tries too hard sure i can get that and, yeah i mean i like him in like i mentioned the joanna hogg movies are are really good archipelago and uh unrelated and then like i also thought he was actually quite excellent uh in in uh only lovers left alive yeah but his that character is so against type for him like he's so laid back and nonchalant and kind of like i've been there done that and kind where of where he's usually flamboyant yeah and, and very kind of like look at me yeah. i'm I, you know I, i'm trying to get your attention where that like that's that's the kind of character he needs to do more of yeah uh Moving on to this next news, like I said, which I think is a terrible casting choice and I guess has come full circle. Uh, Mark Wahlberg to star opposite Tom Holland in uh, Sony's Uncharted movie. Sully Sullenberger? Yeah. <laughs> no, well, Sully, but not Sully Sullenberger, but Sully, uh, who is Drake's mentor and um, partner. Um, Canadian hip-hop artist? <laughs> and, dude... It, Could what? you imagine that team-up? This is just... Drake? And Sully Sullenberg? No. This is horrible casting. It is horrible. Horrible. I like Mark Wahlberg enough. Like, you know what? Fine. You Mark like his Wahlberg. Wahlbergers? Um, this, like, Sully is your kind of, like, grizzled, older guy, great mustache, wears Hawaiian shirts, smokes a cigar. Sounds a lot like know. Sully Sullenberger. Like, like, hey, Drake, like, uh, like, uh, let's go. Like, and, and, you know, the grizzled vet kind of thing. And I just don't see that at all with Wahlberg. Like, is he going to grow a mustache and, and chomp on a cigar? And, like, uh, hair like gray? even Sully when he's a bit younger, which you see. In well, the, who would in, you have cast in, in, in the part? Like, who are you looking at? Uh, I would have like it. It's weird because it is a origin story for Nathan Drake, right? So yeah. I'm used to the Nathan Drake who is in his, 
you know, late thirties, early forties kind of thing, like, or in his, in his thirties, forties. Um, so already kind of this seasoned Nathan Drake. So Sully was always in my head, an older guy, like, a um, I would have even like, uh, like a Sam Elliott or I'm thinking of people with great mustaches. mustaches. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I would have liked a, uh, um, I, I don't know. Just Sam Elliott. Um, just Sam Elliott, I guess. No, there was <laughs> some great fan casting. Who am I thinking of? Um, uh, Nick Offerman would have been cool. Another great mustache. Uh, well, I mean, he could do the whole package with the beard, right? Yeah. Who are other people with great, great, great mustaches? mustaches? Who's the uh, – what's his name? I'm blanking. Older guy, Magnum P.I. Oh, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck would be perfect. <laughs> Uh, someone the kind of fun the kind of funny guys joked about it when they did a casting for the Uncharted movie way back. They're like, let's get Steve Harvey to play <laughs> Sully. <laughs> I'm like, nah, I'm good. But uh, it's a good Family Feud episode. Yeah. So I don't know. Like um, Tom Selleck would have been great. Uh, you know, those types of guys. Who can you think of with like an older guy who would chomp on a cigar and have a great mustache? Great mustache, then, older uh, guy, or could grow a great grizzled, mustache, maybe a little. Um, so, anyways, Mark Wahlberg, not that guy, right? <laughs> so, I don't know. And Wahlberg, why it's come full circle? He's um, <laughs> fuck. I would take Nick Nolte. We're gonna talk. Well, go listen to our Mandalorian reviews. Um, I I have spoken. <laughs> you have. I don't know. It's in. Wahlberg was originally cast in David O. Russell's version yeah, of with uh, Robert De Niro and, and Joe, Joe Pesci, Pesci <laughs> Martin Scorsese's Uncharted, um, <laughs> and now he's playing Sully, which I just think is such ass backwards casting. I just I can't fathom it. Maybe but. he was still part of the project at like even at this stage. Maybe that's why it's like oh well we gotta have him in it because he wants to be in it. <sighs> I can't man, and I like I don't know. We'll see. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, his next movie is going to be in the 1970s. Uh, San Fernando Valley. Yes. It's about a young high school student who's also a famous child star. There you go. What Very excited about this. Yeah. Anything Paul Thomas Anderson does. So it's like a big ensemble piece, kind of yeah, like Boogie sounds, Nights? Yeah, it sounds like... Not he's... porn, but... <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> Um, it sounds like, I mean, Inherent Vice was a little bit of that as well, where it was like a a big ensemble cast kind of centered around a lead, but you look at Paul Thomas Anderson's career up until, I guess the, after, after Magnolia, when he did Punch Drunk Love, he kind of started making a kind of turn from Robert Altman into Kubrick. Um, but Magnolia, Heart Eight, Boogie Nights are all very much, you know, the Altman ensemble story where you have yeah. you know, multiple, you know, through lines and characters intersecting. And and that's kind of what he was known for originally. And then with Punch Drunk Love and There Will Be Blood specifically, he kind of went into the more austere kind of calculated filmmaking and 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 he kind of went back to it a little bit with inherent vice um but then with phantom thread like he went so you know formal to the point of like sure, it was a yeah. completely different filmmaker um not that i'm complaining because still I think, excellent I think, yeah. yeah phantom thread is, is is a masterpiece but 
it does make me wonder how he's going to like approach this. Like he's he's I think he has matured and he would talk. He'd probably say the same thing that when, you know, he was writing and producing Boogie Nights, he was what, like 27. Yeah, at crazy. that time. So, you know, now he's he's got four kids or something like that. Watches Turner Classic movies all the time <laughs> is in his mid to late 40s. Yeah. Um so yeah, like I I would be curious to see if he still can make that kind of movie or or bring something new to the table as that filmmaker. And also what's interesting in that article is there is no distributor attached to it, only just production company. So he's make it's almost making it independent. Yeah, or him. he'll or maybe he's he'll ship it around because Annapurna and Focus released Phantom Thread. Mm-hmm. And then before that, you had Warner Brothers with Inherent Vice. There Will Be Blood was Paramount. And so then, he's been all over the place. Yeah, and then Warner Brothers and New Line released Magnolia and uh, Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I think he's one of the most interesting. Yeah, and and again, working. like for like if it's a movie with like a giant cast, like I, I would be interested to see if he brings in like. You know, he's regulars like yeah. John C. Riley and and things like that, or if you know he goes with with new people because I mean, like when he was on the awards circuit with Phantom Thread, like he was always talking about Tiffany Haddish mm-hmm. uh, for Girls Trip, so uh, that would be interesting. I mean, will will the child because they're looking for a child actor right now? They're doing auditions. Will will that child actor be played by Daniel Day Lewis? <laughs> We've cloned Daniel Day Lewis. Oh no, it's just Daniel Day Lewis now. As a, playing a teenager, <laughs> playing, he can do it if anyone can. Yeah, it's Daniel Day Lewis or a child, not a teenager, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, Daniel Day Lewis actually went back in time in, himself to become a child. God damn it! Uh, the next thing I want to talk about: Nicholas Cage is going to be playing Nicholas Cage in Unbearable Weight of Massive Talents. High praise. Um, this movie sounds fantastic. <laughs> It it does sound like it's going in the realm of a being John Malkovich yeah. a little bit. Now it, I think it will all depend on who is directing the movie right. and if that filmmaker can sort of balance the meta humor with an actual story. Because you look at something like being John Malkovich, and yeah, that could have been one note. Mm-hmm. But with the combination of Charlie Kaufman and Spike Jones, they were able to do something really unique. I just find it fascinating that these guys who wrote this script were just like, well, I hope we f- can get Nicolas Cage because <laughs> if we can't. Oh, God, I, we got to rewrite I, this yeah, thing. Like, How I do we do that? We don't really have a movie. So th- I wonder if they consulted him beforehand or if they just were like, let's write this script. It's going to be fun to write. And if we can convince him to do it, fantastic. If not, it won't get made. Right. But um, yeah, Nicolas Cage will be playing himself in like kind of a modern day. And it's this meta narrative about him kind of down on his luck and, 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 and trying to get in the next Tarantino movie and, um, and just kind of, which kind of sounds like Nicolas Cage now a little bit. Yeah. And he, and he's bummed out cause he keeps having to make all these shitty movies and he, he's, uh, that always end up, uh, and then there's VVS and then he sees a vision of himself, but from the nineties. Right. And then, he like so he starts talking to himself, but this like hyper stylized version of him as this action star from the nineties because they they referenced Face Off and Con Air and Con Air and different things like that. So Jack Nick um, Cage. So I guess they'll do some digital de aging to get yeah. some fucking nineties Nick Cage in there too. And uh, yeah, it'll, it, God, it, Nick Cage is an Oscar winner, and like, <laughs> dude, I hope this movie is not just you know like a 
a schlocky kind of you know like millennium film <laughs> thing right. i hope it's like it gets a good director or i think one of the guys might be directing it himself though. right like you're hoping that again like it'll be like adaptation yeah or something or like, like an that. a24 movie or something like that it has like an actual little bit more like you know it feels like it has some weight to it rather than just being this throwaway joke right like um i just i like i like nicholas cage but it's always so weird when like he like it's stranger now when he pops up in something that is like mainstream or gets a theatrical release like i think the last time i saw him in anything that was like a traditional release was snowden yeah and i love i mean i loved him in honey i know that guy i loved him in spider-verse right and teen titans but those were both voices yeah (laughs) um more so spider-verse but um yeah um I'm trying to just go over the stuff that I feel like we actually want to talk about. Um, let's go into, since we just mentioned Tarantino. Um, he, I know, again, Tarantino mouth vomit. Who knows how much of this will actually happen. But in a recent interview he did do in his press tour for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, he's been talking about what he's might be doing next uh, right. because people keep talking about this 10th and final film so he said he had actually quite a bit of time in between finishing the script on once upon a time in hollywood and actually starting to shoot the film so he actually wrote a stage play and a novel no a stage play and a television series um and he's working on a novel right now um, and those three things are the things he's focused on right now before he even starts thinking about his 10th and final film. So he said he finished a stage play and he finished a five episode TV series. Uh, he's written both of those. And then he wants to work. He's working on this novel right now, too. So he said he wants to do the stage play first, ideally, then do this TV show. And he talked about how. Obviously, the the experiments he's been doing with Netflix by re-editing his, some of his films into well, right the now hateful, hateful eight, yeah. and he might do that for some other things. Um, we talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood having yeah. like a four hour cut. Right? Yeah, so he said he wrote this five episode series, which he find found really interesting, and and that he kind of wants to make that after he makes this stage play. Um, kind of cool. Like I don't know. Like it, this I, actually felt like the most sincere and yeah. realistic Tarantino in terms of him talking about what stuff. he's doing like it next. Felt yeah. like, well, even with him talking about, you know, his 10th movie, he's like, yeah, it'll be something that will happen, but it's, I'm not there yet. I haven't figured it out. Like yeah. I still, there's am, other things I want to kind of, yeah. And he's for. still going through the motions of award season with this. Right. So with, with once upon a time in Hollywood. So like, him saying like yeah i've been working on other stuff i don't doubt that i'm sure he's written even maybe more than he's letting on like in terms of like other things that maybe he's you know he just outlines and manuscripts and things like that um so like him saying that actually sounds more like i it's not that i don't believe him with other stuff but it's like sounds more concrete than a like yeah i have this idea for killer crow that i want to just gonna go into production like in the next couple years and like it doesn't happen because it's not fully fledged or it's just it's something he doesn't really want to do ultimately and like this actually sounded more realistic and like okay i want to try my hand at some other mediums before i make my final movie yeah it's almost like let's test out what i want to do after i retire (laughs) yeah exactly and also like again like I I probably have some ideas for a 10th movie, but I'm not set on anything yet. And I don't want to say 
officially what I'm going to do because I'm just not there. Yeah. You know? And, like, that sound, that was refreshing to me where Tarantino was just like, you know what? I don't know. It was refreshing and exciting to think about what those other things could yeah. be. Because I would love to see what a Tarantino stage play would be or what would – I mean, that was kind of hateful eight, but um, – right. Or what a Tarantino five-episode television series Or a novel, would be. even. Just a like, novel would be great. You, you know what would get me to read? A fucking Tarantino novel. <laughs> would you read it, though, uh, or would you get the audio book version? If he read it? Oh, yeah, know. that would be good. <laughs> It'd be a lot, but I would definitely listen. <laughs> Knowing him, he would do a whole production for the audio book. Right. Where he would get actors. God, I would hope the... that he wouldn't have, like, a role. Like, it's like he plays an Aussie. <laughs> God damn it. So anyways, those three things, him exploring other mediums is very exciting to me. Like right. if he got a Broadway show or something like that, like a high profile thing, like, um, <laughs> could um, you imagine Tarantino's directing his version of cats? <laughs> yeah. It's very disturbing. <laughs> it's even more disturbing than the movie. If you could believe um, that. So anyways, I, I'm excited to see where he kind of, what he does next. And I want to see him play in some other mediums. I think that would be really interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, and again, like we'll probably hear in the next, two or three years like what he actually does want to do for a third movie i don't i don't think it is going to be star trek though i just no i don't think so either i could honestly see the star trek thing becoming like i said like a cbs all access uh, well i don't even think he'll direct it i think like ultimately he'll it'll just, just be a story, story by credit and yeah. someone else will direct it yeah yeah i could see that I even thought that with Kill Bill 3 of... Um, Which I could see that happening, not with him directly. That's what I but mean. Like but just... him helping with the story and having Uma Thurman help do the story and having someone yeah. direct that, right? He'll like, become James Cameron to Terminator I think at he... that point with Kill Bill. Yeah. He'll be wearing a Hawaiian shirt and be <laughs> going, this is... <laughs> this is the... <laughs> how I envision Kill Bill Volume 3. Yeah. They handed me a fistload of money and I said I will put my name on it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, big news on the Criterion front. Uh, Netflix is finally releasing one of their original films on Blu-ray, and they've partnered with Criterion to release Roma. Uh, it was just announced in the February batch of yes, Criterion sir. releases. So I, I didn't touch on the other stuff, but I just thought this was big news because this is something we kind of hypothesized not too long ago, and I'm sure other people had as well but roma made the most sense to be the first film uh to uh be put out on criterion through netflix and i i have like this makes sense to me of like where their more prestige movies might land yeah. for a physical media release this okja um, yeah uh, uh marriage story the irish all men, could make Sandy sense Wexler. right <laughs> yeah. uh six underground <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think they're more... The Ridiculous Six? I think anytime they work with a prestige filmmaker, like, I mean, Meyerowitz stories could probably... Yeah, uh, well, I mean, they've, um, they've, they've released, story. uh, Quran's, uh, Why Tu Mama Tambien already. Yeah. They've worked with Noah Baumbach, um, on The Squid and the Whale. Yeah. So, yeah, like, those are the filmmakers that, you know, they already have established relationships with, and then... And make the most sense to be yeah, on Yeah, and then, I mean... You know, this week actually, Cold War is is getting released on Blu-ray, and that that's an Amazon Studios title that didn't get uh, a Blu-ray release through the studio. So, you know, if anything, you're going to is get it Criterion Cold War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So you're going to get uh, the Pavel Pavlikovsky movie. Yeah. So with you know certain filmmakers, 
that go to the streaming services you if if the film is critically acclaimed or what have you and people are interested you're going to get these releases through a company like Criterion which is great yeah. i think that's really really yeah cuz cool, there's been so. some tv that netflix has been has been yeah, releasing which is always bizarre to me right like like, like but it, they usually partner up with a studio so yeah. like sony releasing you know the house of cards uh series or paramount with a uh, house on haunted hill um so that's not surprising i think roma actually is the first like netflix film. netflix film, film. Like, yeah, yeah that's been released you know in physical media yeah because like a lot of people i think also were you know maybe hoping down the line that like something even like their first film beasts of of no nation would come out as well but that could happen right, right. now if this is a partnership for that kind of thing like the movie i still think needs to make sense to be in the criterion collection like sandy wexler uh, yeah <laughs> yes exactly let's find number uh, a thousand or yeah God. 2000 um so anyways that's really exciting to me but i could so. i mean we, i know i was joking about that but i mean you know punch drunk love is is on criterion and and the meyerowitz stories could very well end up there so yeah i actually think that could happen and should happen uh i'm gonna skip some tv stuff and just keep going into the movie stuff um spike lee to direct prince of cats not related to cats i wish uh, it's a hip-hop take on romeo and juliet and isn't it from the point Lionsgate. of view of tybalt i believe so um i'd just like to know what spike lee's doing next uh, well he's got a speaking of netflix he's got a netflix film coming out next year oh yeah called the the five bloods oh right 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 which is his vietnam epic with uh, chadwick uh, boseman and jonathan uh uh, majors nice yeah. love it love it love it i just saw an interesting thread on twitter which you guys should uh check out um the director of honey boy alma harrell is yes. it, her name um i wish tweeting... that I, the only way that that title could be better is if it was called honey lad <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> she showed uh, a screening of the film with shia labeouf at uh, nyu yeah. and she didn't realize that spike lee has been a professor there for like Oh yeah, a long yeah. time. Well, Scorsese and, taught both Spike Lee and Oliver Stone, which is crazy. And now Spike yeah. Lee's teaching there, and um, she showed the film to his class and sat beside him and watched it. And she uh, shared her experience there and just how mind blowing it was to sit beside him as he watched the movie with his class and then do a Q and A with him afterwards. So I thought that was a really sweet uh, Twitter thread. You guys should go check out. It's strong. It's strong. Yeah. It's strong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> his uh, his hot ones episode is so yeah. good. Um, Brendan Gleeson uh, in talks to join Denzel Washington in A 24s Macbeth. This is from uh, Ethan Cohen. Joel Joel Cohen got the wrong one. You got the wrong uh, Cohen. Uh, He's uh, playing King Duncan, right? I believe so. Now this is only if that can go through because I know Brendan Gleeson's doing that. Um, mini series right now where he's playing donald trump oh really yeah oh yeah higher loyalty yeah for cbs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um cool yeah uh i mean it, it's just gonna be weird with like only one cohen <laughs> yeah i mean like i know that joel cohen for the longest time was credited as the sole director but i mean that was it a, was always that was always was a dga guild thing, or, yeah. thing but like Truly now, just Joel Cohen. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, 
Eaton Cohen, though, right? <laughs> no relation, right? No, none at all. Uh, uh, Chazelle, Damien Chazelle has his next movie lined up uh, for 2021. It's called Babylon. Not to be mistaken for Babylon AD <laughs> with Vin Diesel. Uh, and Emma Stone and Brad Pitt are circling yeah. the film. And to me, that description of the film sounds exactly like The Artist. Where you have like an aging movie star who isn't able to adapt from the silent era to talkies. Yep. Yep. And it's going to have a mix of real life and fictional characters in it. So it'll be set within a real period and you'll have some people who are... Sounds like the artist. Yep. I I mean... Will it be better than the artist? Probably. Yes. Um, I mean, Remember the artist won Best Picture? Do you think that's going to show up on many uh, top... Uh, of the decade? Top of the decade? <laughs> no, it will not. I remember being perfectly charmed by it during TIFF. I do as well, but I got mad at it when it started winning all those same awards. Same with Green Book almost, too. Like a movie that we both kind of liked. But then yeah, I was but like, I liked Weirdly Green Book more than the artist. Oh, same, and like same. when like Jean Dujardin beat out brad pitt for moneyball and george clooney for the descendants yeah. and gary oldman for tinker taylor soldier spy I'm made like, no what sense the fuck are yeah. you thinking of and like michael fassbender wasn't even nominated for shame that year it's ridiculous dude dumb people uh, are dumb i have never watched that movie since that tiff screening i haven't either <laughs> yeah i remember james cromwell walked out of the wrong side and he actually went out with all the uh oh the people. yeah were you at the same premiere as me, I guess? Probably? No, I was at the Lightbox, I think, oh, okay. the morning afterwards. Right, because I went to the Elgin, I remember, to watch it. Uh, it was a great experience. Like It felt like seeing it in that theater with the proper aspect ratio and at the premiere. Yeah, and it's a perfectly like, fine movie. Yeah. Like I think if it wasn't nominated for all those awards and won Best Picture, I think people would be more kind to it. I know yeah. I probably would. Right. But because it was considered the best film of 2011, it's like... <laughs> Fuck that movie. <laughs> yeah. Kill it. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Totally agree. All right. There's another marathon episode. <laughs> 240, baby. Back to back. We're back to the almost three-hour episodes. I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, we had a lot to cover this episode. It wasn't our 50th, but it was our 51st. Uh, we talked a lot about Disney. Will we continue to talk a lot about Disney? Probably, because they have 8 million releases in the next fucking five years and a streaming service uh, and a theme park and God knows what else. Uh, I'm rambling now. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, if you like this, we do another show called Untitled Movie Reviews, which you guys should go over and listen to. We have reviews up right now for Frozen 2, uh, which would be our most recent uh, movie. We have a review of the first two episodes of The Mandalorian keeping on that disney train baby uh what else do we got up right now those are the t two most recent i mean yeah i mean there there are other movies that are now in theaters like ford versus ferrari that you can go back to our tiff stuff um and listen to me hate it and you be middle of the road on it yeah i'm surprised that people are kind of championing. yeah i don't get it excuse me i burped into the mic um got some indigestion when you mentioned it'll be your dad's favorite movie yeah um, it is a dad's film. Not yours specifically, but people's dads. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, so tons of stuff over there. I think we're both kind of – I'm like, what else do we have up there? I don't know. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Uh, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the interwebs but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. Uh, and you can follow all of my shenanigans on all of the social medias. But I'm mostly bumping around Twitter, Letterboxd. I post some Instagram stories sometimes, sometimes a prof- or not an in-feed photo, but at Matt Rohrbeck on all of those and platforms. also the untitled movie podcast instagram too yeah right? untitled underscore cast on all of those in instas and socials yes and you can find more of uh my reviews and interviews on rogers tv.com slash cinema scene uh the latest episode uh is a martin scorsese themed ep with uh, Ben Shane, who was on the show, and it was just a delight, a natural for his first official uh, television t- appearance, TV appearance, first of hopefully many for him. Um, so you can check that out now. Uh, you can also follow me on the social medias at em six two one one, mostly Instagram and uh, Letterbox and Twitter. Cool. And until next time, McClunky. McClunky. <laughs>